Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash GOT and using the promo code GOT. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 10, entitled Mother's Mercy. Uh, the one where, depending on what kind of fanboy or girl you are, <laughs> either everyone died or no one died. Yeah, apparently. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> like, I'm not even sure that the internet thinks Marin Trance did. Yeah. Frankly. Nah, the, uh, the, the emails were essentially 33%... Saying Jon Snow's not dead. 33% saying uh, Stannis Baratheon's not dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another 15 or 17% of, uh, did you know Lena Headey's so body was on of, a CGI double? Sure, yeah. And what, then, what kind of fucking failure do you have to think that Brienne is to both abandon her post and not kill Stannis in the same episode? Well, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. Uh, and the rest were people either saying that I pronounced uh, Pyrrhic wrong in Pyrrhic victory or, uh, uh yeah. and, and everything else, the other 3% are the emails I want to actually read. So okay. that's cool. Uh, tons, tons and tons of emails. We set a record every week. It's crazy. Yeah. Roughly 50% more each, each week from the last four weeks. Okay. Uh, what do we have to talk about before we get into the episode? Uh, so I want to talk about the wrap up cast because this is not the final Game of Thrones podcast. We still have the spoiler edition on Friday and we have a wrap up cast next Tuesday where we can talk about some of the larger issues, um, you know, pluses or minus of the plot. Maybe talk some books, differences between books, uh, and TV show, which we traditionally do, but it's going to be a hell of a lot harder and messier. And I'm not even sure if I should do it this year because Mm -hmm. there's, It'd be much easier to say what the the what the show actually followed from the books uh, than than vice versa. So um, that's going to be tougher. The other thing people want me to talk about is there's a lot of show watchers wanting to know if they can go crazy on the internet reading the wiki of ice and fire and getting on the forums and doing all that sure. and listening to the spoiler podcast. And I I'm not sure. I, I I want the uh, book readers and adventuresome show watchers to give me their opinion on that. Send it to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com so I can consider on a spoiler cast. And that's going to be one of the topics for next week, whether what your safety and comfort level is for, for yeah. jumping into the series right now or starting to plow through some of the spoiler stuff. And I would say at the very least, keep your eye on for uh, the release of of the new book right like if you don't realize that the new book is released and you're still reading a bunch of spoilers and shit right you're gonna get a lot of spoilers well and that's the complicated factor is there's like 10 preview chapters from the winds of winter that martin's already released in some form or the other so that's a problem you know but that's like i have i'm kind of roughly familiar with what goes on but i've chosen not to read them because why would i you know i've if uh, assuming the book is coming out within the next year it's like okay um, that's a big know, assumption. I, I don't but... want to. Ju- yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> I, I might jump in if, if because I'll be desperate for new information by by next year. But mm-hmm. assuming he gets it done by next season, uh, that's the other complicated factor. That there, you know, do you consider that stuff a spoiler? I'm sure most of you will. So there's still a little bit of danger of uh, 
of, of, of being a little too spoiled. So gotcha. We'll see, but that's that's gonna definitely be a topic for next week as as long uh, as well as a lot of other stuff. Okay, who wrote and or directed this? Same episode? crew as last week. Uh, David Nutter and uh, was the director, and David Benioff and DB Weiss. Um, yeah. So a lot of sharp division in the reaction. This is, I think, the most divisive of this season. A lot of people hmm. liked it. I mean, no one said, like, this totally redeemed the season because I think it seems like the consensus is forming this is the worst season a Game of Thrones. Now, I agree. Worst in square scare quotes. There's still yeah. a lot of really great moments, and I don't think it's like done fatal damage to the series. No, but certainly. In not. the same way that like season two, in my opinion, is the worst Breaking Bad season, and season right. five, The Wire, is the worst Wire season. That's kind of my estimation. It seems like that's the consensus. But there's a lot of people just fucking hated it. I didn't hate it. I think there were a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Um, that we'll talk about. I think either we'll, we'll talk about the problems in this episode yeah. in this in this podcast, but yeah. we'll probably do like some of the stuff in the recap sure. as well. And I think it seems like to the extent that you think everyone that died in this episode died, you are about fucking done with Game of Thrones. To the extent that you think there is some mm-hmm. lights at the end of the tunnel, you know, that, I guess that's not a controversial statement. Yeah, that's the thing though. With me, I'm I don't need the lights at the end of the tunnel because it's Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like I I kind of feel like it doesn't matter that you know everyone's going to be happy in the end to me. Having it's said more that, just like the journey to wherever it goes. I don't really care. Having said that, this seems like it's the first season that ends with an episode 10 that's just not a single lump of sugar for you. It's uh-huh. all your characters either dying or in very precarious uncertain situations. That are not immediately yeah. advantageous. Like even, you know, Danny being surrounded by a hundred thousand Dothraki screamers. Mm. Maybe she can turn them into her new Kalazar. Or sure. maybe they carry off and rape her. Uh who the fuck knows? And yeah. It, it's it's certainly not uh the Rangers riding off to find out what the hell's going on in the Bingen in the north. It's not, you know, Danny emerging from a funeral pyre with a bunch of baby dragons clinging to her. It's it's nothing yeah. to that, you know, degree of of triumph or potential triumph. Yeah, it's more depressing for sure. Sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with wherever this show goes. I just okay. want the story to be told well, which is where I run into some problems with this season. Certainly. And you're absolutely right. Okay, let's get into the recap. All right. We start off with Stannis getting a report that half his men have left. The the sellswords have taken all of the horses, mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, also, Stannis' wife was killed uh, by herself. And then self murder. Yeah, when Melisandre hears about it, she takes off on a non-existent horse. Does she conjure up this fucking horse? <laughs> the shadow horse. Where did she get a horse from? You didn't see her squat down and 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 birth that thing. I did not. Well, you know, that's a deleted scene. DVD extras. Didn't notice that snowbank underneath the walls of Winterfell either, Jim. Oh, I just think I, you're missing things. I noticed it. I just don't buy it. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Yeah, uh, at this point, justice is swift for Stannis Baratheon. He has lost everything in one fell swoop. Yeah. And now it seems like he's hell-bent on throwing his men into a crucible that they won't survive. Yeah, and I already hated Melisandre. If I needed any more reason, her fucking magic doesn't work. Right, and I guess that's why I, you know, a lot of people kind of were shocked that I've come around on Stannis so quickly. Mm-hmm. But to me, this feels like some of the more dark works of Shakespeare. 
this is, you know, Titus and Tempest and things like that, where mm-hmm. you've got your heroic characters doing terrible things and making terrible sacrifices. And um, it, it works in that kind of Greek tragedy type of way. Yeah, especially that it doesn't work out for him, you know? Yeah, and it happens quickly. Um, so, you know, I'm still shocked that's the choice that they went to, but it feels like a more defensible choice. Um, I think it's an interesting choice. Um, it, it makes... You know, it raises a lot of questions about Melisandre. What can sure. she and can't she do? Uh, what does she and doesn't she believe? Um, I, I, I think it's it's the more interesting choice than having it just work out again. Sure. Yeah. No. And and it also, um, I, I'm glad that they didn't invite us to continue to root for him. Like you know, everybody. Oh yeah. Was on board, and that's the other thing is like maybe this is a little bit of sugar, and that. I, I, like I said in the instant cast, I got to think that that scene of the Boltons just destroying Stannis mm-hmm. would be such a kick in the balls slash lady parts if you didn't hate him. And sure. by sacrificing Shireen, it made us hate Stannis. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It 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 made us feel totally justified in Brienne killing him. Um, I I think it worked out for the best it's just in that moment it's such a visceral hatred of the man who's doing the the worst possible thing yeah you know for for purely i mean for for at this point maybe purely selfish gain i mean i guess he is the best of the contenders to the throne at this point as far as from our audience uh perspective but yeah i guess i don't know i mean danny is probably a better choice yeah but she's not in, in westeros Oh, okay. She's actually not vying for. She's not throwing her her crown into the the hat or. I feel like the she. Ring. I feel like with Tyrion she has. You know, like yeah. maybe she would have been okay to rule Marine, but with his talk about, you know, you gotta you gotta go over there and help out, and she's like, I'm gonna break the wheel, like yeah. all that stuff. I feel like maybe she doesn't want the throne, but she probably wants to at least crush. The powers right. in Westeros, right? Um, I mean, she's got she's got the ships from last season. She's got the yeah. army. She's starting to have the dragons. Of course, the army she got, I think she didn't know that she was getting the the, the budget stormtrooper model. Okay, uh, yeah. but <laughs> you know, she's she's got the army. I, it, it'd uh-huh. be interesting, but I I, I don't know. Um, who knows what Martin is playing at? That's what I've really been wondering this season. Like. If we're going to get a ending that we see as 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 any kind of uplifting or positive outcome, it's got to mm-hmm. start turning around next season. It's got to. Yeah. It's got to. We can't have many more shocking stomach punch deaths to major characters. How many major characters are left, man? There aren't that many. Oh, there's a lot. There's The cast of Game of Thrones is huge. But yeah, major? I don't know. I mean... Like Tyrion is major. Danny is major. You consider Jorah and Dario major? Arya is major. Uh, sure. No, Jorah and Dario aren't really major Sans to me. is major. Cersei, Jaime. Yeah. Brienne. Yeah. So there's like seven. Yeah. I mean, you can kill like half of those and maybe still have people on board. <laughs> Grand if, Maester If it's Pysel. the right half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, we're going to find out, I think, by the end of next season, what kind of ending we're in for. You're probably right. So, and that says nothing about, uh, you know, we've gone back to ignoring the teeming horde of dead on the other side of the wall. 
That's true. I mean, that's, everyone could be dead by the end of it. That's the other tragic thing is when you see the Bolton army and the, the Baratheon army going at it, you're like, oh, God. Look how pathetic it is. And, and or just the infighting. The fact that this is going to significantly weaken the, you know, especially the north at this point. Yeah. And every life lost there is going to be one that they're going to probably need before it's this little finger is man over. there's no mention of little finger in the last like four episodes yeah he's coming in he's swooping in with troops uh he's gonna ride in and sansa and theon are gonna land on his horse that's how it's gonna work that's that's gonna get to a theory that we're about to talk about all right anyway uh john and sam talk about his experience at Hardhome and commiserate about being the most hated people in westeros yep uh sam requests to be sent south to old town so he can study to become a maester and john agrees sends him south would you <sighs> I'm I'm a little troubled by the fact that John and Sam are so bro about this. Like about what? Sam's casually talking about breaking his vows both to the Night's Watch and to the Citadel. And I get that John did it too. Yeah. But and and it technically like and I know that I don't know black... that technically it is right like it says right. you won't get married or something like that yeah we talked about this when John did it I know but I'm saying I know what Sam and John think about the vows and it okay if you actually believe you're breaking a vow I think it's worse than if you are like one of the mini black brothers one of the horse rapists that go and avail yourself of the uh, whores in Mole Town that little wildlings not wildling um. N- frontier northern town that's right below the wall like it's different like you know Hmm. doing something knowing it's wrong even if it's not wrong does more damage to your your character than doing something you don't consider wrong in the first place okay and i thought it was kind of weird that they're they're having that moment on the other hand it was super it was also entertaining and kind Hmm. of funny so yeah i don't know it was one last shining moment for those two together right yeah, yeah, I guess it was shining again. The whole like, oh yeah, fuck, fuck the vows. I mean, it was it was fun. It was cute. It was it was kind of what you wanted to see before you know that they're not going to get back together. Yeah, I don't know. You start e- picking... even if it was just Sam going south. You yeah. like you really start to think this might be the last time they see each other. Sure. So I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It still bothers me though that this seems way too little, way too late, and <laughs> this happens in the books. But in the books, it happens way before the hard home and kind of like the threat of the walkers hits. It's kind of John making smart decisions. Master Eamon's dead uh, or sick and dying. We need another maester. You're the best candidate. I need you to be by my side. Sending him away after hard home feels a lot. I mean, the the, the resequencing of this event makes it seem a lot more fatalistic and like a rat fleeing a sinking ship rather than being sent on an important mission by your trusted friend and advisor. Yeah, and I mean, the stuff with Gilly as well does that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Gilly is in serious trouble here, and by extension, Sam. I mean, he says that much in this scene. Yeah. So, you know, there's p- part of it is I, I need to become a maester so that we can have someone to advise us, but at the same time, it's also I need to save my own skin and sure. my family's skin. Sure. Uh, so, I yeah, it's a little self-serving. That's the other thing is, like, you know, that fat pink mask scene that I played... Uh, the audio of a couple weeks ago that actually occurs on the in the books on the trip to the citadel was as they're hmm. doing the ocean crossing to the citadel, which okay. is also kind of is fun. there is there impetus for that? Like, do they have a reason for doing it's for rough. doing it, it's, or is it? Yeah, I mean, it it's better in the show because I really felt like it was warranted in the show. 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are problems with the way that the show depicted it. But I do think that uh, just pay, making that timing to where they fuck and then he he petitions John to take them away mm-hmm. makes it seem a lot more uh, selfish and less righteous than being sent on a mission. And also she's sent to get her away from the wall because of all the problems of having a woman at the wall with a small baby. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of other intrigue that the show dispensed with. Um, and then kind of finding support within each other okay so it's like just it's denobling a lot of sam's character hmm. all right let's move on to uh stannis the slaughter of stannis he uh actually this isn't the slaughter yet i, I want to talk about this in a couple of halves i guess yep. um, stannis is marching toward winterfell mm-hmm. and sansa picks a lock on her room she goes to light a candle in the tower mm-hmm. and podrick is out collecting food and firewood he spots Stannis' armies, and he says, oh, shit. And he runs back to Brienne and says, hey, there's Stannis is out there. It's your chance. Giant armies. Uh, you have two duties. Pick one here. And she seconds, I mean, milliseconds before that candle is lit, she trods off to go kill Stannis. So I thought that that was a much bigger betrayal of her duty. But uh, Ryan P. emailed us in to remind us because he's been rewatching the seasons. Uh-huh. And he said that um, Brienne actually made killing Stannis a precondition of swearing her fealty to uh, Cat. Cat. Yeah. So I looked that scene up and she says, quote, promise me, my lady, that when the time comes, you will not hold me back from my revenge on Stannis. OK. And then Kate, Kate promises or Cat promises I will not. And then Brienne pledged puts her sword at her feet and pledges her service to her. So okay. to me, if you remembered that scene, and I could have used it previously on, on it myself, <laughs> right? that makes it clear that I think Brienne has a fairly clean conscience that her, the yeah. primacy of her vows is underneath her revenge on Stannis. Yeah, it's just super unfortunate on the timing. Sure. And is that going to make a difference if it turns out Sansa finds this out later? If Sansa survives <laughs> and if Brienne does survive the protector and if this all comes out? uh I, you know, I lit the candle. No one came. But I, the other thing, the, t- the timing of this is like, I don't even know. The timing is it basically Sansa lights the candle. The Battle of Winterfell breaks out. She goes back to her quarters and then her and Ramsey or uh, Reek jump off the wall. Yeah. Assuming she lives, how the hell does she know that no one is coming? Was she expecting like? She wouldn't, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't seem like it works as well as they wanted to because the timing's not right. Which is weird. I mean, it depends because on... so much of the middle season was plotting as shit. Yeah, I guess it depends on how long you think it took Stannis to start setting up his guys to to walk out there for Brienne to get down to the battle uh, for Sansa to realize no one's coming for me. I need to find my own way out. That's what I'm saying. Like, there if is it's some time an hour, there, but I don't if know. If it's two hours, if it's three hours, that's what still... was she expecting? Yeah, exactly, uh... exactly. 10,000 northern men coming and putting da, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> what the fuck? There was going to be a little, you know, setup time, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I wonder how Brienne expected to get into Winterfell. Well, that's been something I've been. Uh, like the candles lit, you go knock on the gate and say, I'm not here to siege, guys. I promise. Right. I'm just Just here person. to rescue Sansa Stark. I mean, I get her and Pod might, if they just like threw cloaks on, like just pass for commoners. 
It's but not are like they letting invading... commoners into Winterfell at this they point? They have to. Winterfell's like the capital of the north. Okay, so Ramsay like... Bolton says, give me 20 good men. I want to yeah. I want to stage a fucking stealth event here that's going to take out this army. Yeah. And then he's letting stealth people potentially into his castle? What the fuck is he doing? Well, and if, if it was just two pods, I could see that. Because you look at Pod and he looks like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> he does. Brienne... Yeah. Looks like a... She's armored up. She'd have to ditch that. Even if she wasn't, just her standing around, she's an imposing man or woman. Like, that that she reach, not going to scre- take her sword in? Like, she screams warrior, right? Like, even if you just look at her. Like I, that's, that's, yeah, I think so. Like, I wouldn't let Hodor in either. You're going to let the mountain in if he doesn't no, have a sword and armor? No. <laughs> no. You don't... Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what her plan was either. I'm, I bet she had one. Or maybe she didn't. I mean... It, yeah, maybe she didn't. Maybe she was just like... We'll figure it out. One of the interesting things about Brienne is she's always been a little too, like, fairy tale in the same way that Sansa was. Sure. About what she thought knights were, and maybe that would be interesting to see a bit of that undoing. Like, she just thought she was literally going to storm the castle. Yeah. You know, Princess Bride style, and have her apocalypse cloak and, uh-huh. and all that going on. It'll so. be a Monty Python thing where she's a <laughs> hundred yards away running toward the castle in the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe a siege engine shaped like a rabbit. That'll do it. There you go. So Sansa watches as Stannis' armies are slaughtered by the Boltons. Stannis survives the battle long enough for Bran to find him and kill him. Yeah. Kill him, right? She kills him. She raises her sword. She reads him his rights, and she slashes his head off. They yeah. cut. They cut before they actually showed that. I know. If but the character doesn't there's die, there's no other outcome for this. Brienne is a person of conviction. She has made a vow. She's not going to not follow through with it. What? Well, but Bran's also uh, like a good knight, a virtuous knight, a chivalrous knight, mm-hmm. even though she's not really a knight. What if uh, there's a pretty good theory that someone came up with on our forums that she's going to stay her sword and uh, let Stannis potentially take the black? Why would she do that? Because uh, because she's she's not this guy is on his last legs. He's no threat. He admit to his crimes and he seems like penitent. And she's not going to be able to kill him in cold blood, even for vengeance. That's not her arc. I don't buy that. I I, I don't buy that theory. I don't think it's convincing either way. No, I, I I do think the way they shot it is deliberately to bait us into debating this. Sure. And I do but think... But so is everything in this episode. It's a cliffhanger of a yes. season finale. I, I do think that it would be interesting to see... Like, I think Stannis fits the black, like, you know, Davos fingers into a glove. I don't yeah, know where no, I'm going ooh. with that. Hmm. Yeah, no. Into, into a, a half custom, a glove? Yeah, yeah. Into fingerless glove. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, no, I think that that would be super interesting. Him as Lord Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he'd go up there and show alice with the door i mean, I mean he'd have to figure out what to do with the wildlings because they fucking hate him yeah but uh i don't not know. gonna happen stannis is dead i'm calling it now i'd say it's 50 50 it's 100 percent. stannis is dead I, I, not no <laughs> I, I, I don't you know. can disagree okay that, that's fine i All just right. i don't buy it i don't buy okay. it uh yeah i mean the other thing is it seems like we're supposed to get the implication that 100% of Stannis cavalry which were cell swords Gone. went to fight with Bolton. Because Oh, went it switched sides. I think so cuz okay. Bruce was not talking about his teams of cavalry. He that was, was a little confusing to me too. No, I think that that was the hmm. implication that that all of them because like uh, I believe it was Jorah said in season 3 
sell swords will fight for you, but they will not die for you. Okay. So even if Bolton's paying turnips, it's better than fighting for Stannis and getting annihilated. Was so you think that was maybe part of the uh, the raiding party? Did did Ramsay like leave a note or something for the sell swords and say, hey? Come on over and fight for us because we're going to win and we got some money for it. Yeah, I think that there's a fine line between showing and not telling and then also just making it confusing. And I think they're really treading because um, I got that clear implication the first time I watched it. Oh, that's what happened. Um, Huh. But uh, the other thing is, if you notice the aftermath of this battle, there's tons of dead horses. Yeah. Like an improbable amount of dead horses. <laughs> and you wonder whether that we're supposed to surmise that the Boltons uh, won a Pyrrhic victory against mm-hmm. the, the, the forces of Stannis. And what will that mean for Littlefinger marching in with the Knights of the Vale? He'll clean up, I hope. Yeah. And you wonder, like, we'll you see. know, he has been conspicuously absent for the last few episodes. I wonder... Uh, if there was anything that he had anything to do with some of this uh, you know, desertion and abandonment of Stannis. I uh, feel like if they were going to tell us that the sellswords like switch sides, they'd yeah. probably just have to show us like one prominent sellsword who we knew was kind of the leader sure. and show him on the other side of the battle before. But when it, it comes happens. to Littlefinger, they've done this before where like Littlefinger will give a monologue that completely recontextualizes how we perceive events. And if he's twirling yeah. his little mustache and stroking I, his, I feel little like beard. that works for Littlefinger because he does that, right? And I, like I said, if Littlefinger comes in and and conquers Winterfell early next season and gives a speech about you know with Sansa's, like I'd, I don't know. I, that's the other thing is uh, I'm not sure how he ever wins Sansa back after this ordeal she's been through, especially with her limp dead body lying at the side of the at wall. The side, yeah, yeah. At, 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 in a puddle down at the <laughs> the wall of Winterfell. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Anyway, uh. Ramsey kills a man who who tried to surrender. What's the point of this scene? Just the fact that uh, do we, we again, need more evidence that Ramsey is again, a dick? No, we don't. We've seen it a thousand. Nah, times. there were some there were some Bolton loyalists out there. <laughs> Come on, and you know the man surrendered. That's a law. You got it's the Geneva Code. You yeah. got to accept a surrender, mm-hmm. and that's that's a bridge too far for him. Sure, cutting no, off a seriously. man's dick and balls is not a bridge too far. Ra- but this. Yeah, raping saying no. It's it, it's really really old. Ramsey and and the fact that he keeps it's pointless. I don't know why this was in there. Someone someone sent in an email saying that they think that what's pissing them off about Martin and well, but the show is that in the first few seasons it was cool because Martin wouldn't bend any rules to save the good guys. Okay, but it feels increasingly like he's bending the rules to let the bad guys win. Gotcha. Like this whole twenty good men nonsense, all that stuff. It just it and and just the relentless evil of Ramsey. Yeah, is and this horrible winter that's not being depicted correctly. Well, that's a problem with execution in the show. Honestly. Yeah. Well, most of this is show problem at this point, sure. right? Because well, yeah. we're we're beyond the books for most of it. Yeah, I, I guess. But there again, you know, feast for dance are not my not my favorite books either. So okay. Um, yeah. I had a problem getting through them just as a reader. Hmm. Uh, Sansa tries to escape, but she runs into Theon and Miranda. Miranda's going to start shooting her less essential parts with arrows, but Theon decides, I'm going to be Theon again, and throws her over the railing, killing her. And then he takes Sansa to the top of the highest wall and throws her over the wall, <laughs> killing her. Uh, potentially, I don't know, they jump off. Sure. So I was with you. I was like... I don't think they did a good enough job establishing the depth of snow required for me to believe that they could survive this fall. 
And then a bunch of listeners sent in a YouTube video of it was called uh, Crazy Russians Jumping Off a Six Story Building into a Snowbank. Only and sure enough, it contained a photo or a video of Crazy Russians jumping off a six story building into what's it looked at most eight to ten foot snowdrift. Yeah. And they were jumping feet fucking first, like like yawn lawn jarts, just Mm. into that snow and then bouncing out completely unharmed. Yeah. Seeing that, I think that I don't I don't think it was staged very well and that they could have done a better job this whole season convincing us that these roads are impassable. There is serious fucking snow. But I think that we are going to find out that they did at, at least one of them survive the fall. OK. And I, do, I don't I just, know. I have a problem with like the staging of it because the barrels like what looks like a barrel to me not covered by snow is right next to the snowdrift, which doesn't look that high. But and, that's like, the thing. It's it's right next to the edge of the snowdrift and snowdrifts. Yeah, like, I, I understand what a fucking snowdrift okay, is. Just want to make sure. But snowdrifts also tend to be highest right next to the wall where they wouldn't give you any kind of. Right. Cushioning. But like so, I said, like, I, I, I could not believe those Russians survived. Could not believe and and Sansa yeah. and Ramsey are jumping like ass first, so they're going to be able to spread out the most impact. So if I hadn't seen that video, I would say fucking impossible, which yes. I think is a bad thing for a TV show to do. Agreed. Like show you the the razor thin margin where this stuff works. Yeah, I don't think that if I'm the double D's, I want to be saying, hey, we saw this one YouTube video yeah. of crazy Russians and choke on it. And it, I hope everybody works. else has seen that. I think it's better to like like if that was if that drift was 20 foot high. Yeah, yeah. And and they had done a better job of like you know there's six inches of snow in Stannis's camp this is fucking impassable like if that was like you know up to their hips and they were like trying yes. to trudge through pass through the camp that's been the problem with the North all season long they're trying to sell us worst storm of the century yeah. and we've seen far worse north of the wall and people getting around no problem so yeah and I I mean we tried to explain that away as Stannis troops just aren't prepared for that because they're not from the north. Um, I get they don't have long which, underwear and shit, but, you know. But they can walk. Dudes on horses should be able to walk through six inches of snow. I'm, I'm with you. Like, they it, don't cancel school for that shit. Yeah. Let alone I, siege. So I, I don't have a lot of complaints with this season as far as how it's shown us the, the narrative. Yeah. Except for Stannis. Well. I think Stannis has been a clusterfuck for the last four episodes. Yeah. Um, I've come around on a little bit. I also think the other thing working against him is... Even if they did sell the fact that the snow is super impassable, they open up the scene of everything melting. And it's like, yeah. so if you were going to give them benefit of the doubt, then that her saying the way ahead is clear and her being able to get to, back to Winterfell or um, Castle Black, no problem, implies that maybe if there was a sizable snow drift outside of Winterfell, it's gone now. That's the thing. Or they're jumping into a pile of ice. Like- yeah. <laughs> like slush, like a slush ball. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. It's. I'm not, I'm not it's sure. It's an execution but. problem, but I'm I'm no longer going to be super surprised if they both survive. Thanks to the Russians. Thank you. Thanks Russians. to the Russians. All right, Trant is beating some little they're girls, saving her ass on the International Space Station, and they're <laughs> saving Sansa and Theon. Yep. So Trant's beating some little girls in the whorehouse. Well, one of them turns out to be Arya in the mask of the sick girl that she killed earlier this season, and she stabs him in the eyes and then kills him. After telling him who she is. Fucking Marin Trant, man. But here's, here's my increasing problem with the show. Okay. It's not enough that Trant is a bad man uh-huh. that was going to murder a little girl in season one if it not for the heroic sacrifice of Cyril Pharrell armed with a wooden stick. Yeah. It's not bad enough to make him a pedophile. 
Mm-hmm. He's got to be a vicious sadist pedophile. Yeah. And, like, the books have those. There's a couple characters that are, like, you know, um, although Joffrey was worse in the show. There's, like, the Ramsey Bolton type. But, like, every fucking evil character in this show is becoming, like, over-the-top monstrous. And I don't think that's complex or interesting. I agree. Like, I, I agree it's not Arya complex. Arya didn't, didn't need a reason, didn't need for... I, I didn't need to see Maren Trant beating girls, little girls with a stick and making them scream to think that Arya was justified in killing the guy. Yeah. The other thing is, she, you know, she goes fucking, like, ballistic, like, scooping out his eyes with knives. Maybe I need that to... But I don't know. And I get it. It's Game of Thrones, whatever. But Jesus... When the, when is enough enough? I, I mostly agree with you. I think they've done it in other areas better. Like, it's been slightly more subtle, like with Cersei. Um, yeah, she's been mean and conniving. She's never... I, I, I don't know. Some, for some reason, the, the emotional punches of that resonate more with me than the mayor and Trent just being an all out asshole. Yeah. Period. The, the, like she, she has, there's something about her where you, you kind of feel sorry for her in a small way. Sure. Throughout the whole series. You know, it's, it's definitely not the first thing you think of when you think of Cersei, but there are moments where you can look back on this walk of shame and say, Oh, that's a little harsh. Yeah. A little harsh for this character. Whereas mayor and Trent, you're right. It's just, yeah. A hundred percent pure dick bag. Yeah. I mean, it's very, uh, you know, it, it's very Kill Bill. Okay. You know, uh-huh. uh, we, we want to feel good about this character killing these people, so let's make them really just despicable. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you get shocking violence enough, and it ceases to become shocking. I think the show would be True. much more effective if some of this stuff came out of nowhere. Or it would be also interesting to just have... Arya brutally killed this man mm-hmm. who is a bad man. Like if, you know, but then you could actually have a debate. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. He killed Sirio and he's going to snuff you out. But that was under orders. And you know, like what, what do you think about that? I mean, the, yeah. the Nazis and fucking inglorious bastards have more depth <laughs> and complexity than this. Indeed. You know, Indeed. Jesus, come on. Yeah. So she goes back to, uh, the hall of faces to replace the mask that she took. Jack and catches her. He drinks a potion and he dies, but it turns out not to be him. And then Arya pulls the faces off the man who drank the potion and it's her. Yeah. And she goes blind. None of this makes sense. None of it. And I, I, it's not supposed to, obviously it's supposed to be confusing to us, confusing to Arya, all of the above. Like, I think what's happening is as Jack and said that if you use, a face before you are properly trained that it is a poison. It is a poison yeah. to you. So I think we're supposed to be getting the fact that Arya is potentially tripping balls. That okay. none of this is real. Her blindness is not real. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that, but the lead up to, to that kind of like, you know, okay. yeah. uh, that, that, that she is seeing things um, or the also, we fundamentally have misunderstood how the faceless men work. And maybe they, like, when you become no one, one, it's kind of like joining the Borg. Mm. That, you know, there's like a top-level thing where you don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about this culture to say, but I... I think an interesting question is, how does this person, whoever it is, look like Jacken? Now, it, it, you you have to assume that she's not hallucinating, just period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if you assume that, how does this person look like Jacken, even though I don't think that Jacken is dead? Potentially he is. Well, Potentially that's he has sacrificed himself and he is Who wearing is a mask. Who is Jacken Hagar? Exactly, yeah. And are there more of them? Th- that's the thing. I think there are a lot of interesting questions to ask, but I don't know that we have answers. I don't think so that's, either. That's the big problem that I have. I don't, I don't think it's a problem with the show. Yeah. I think they've done a fine job of confusing us because that's mm-hmm. what they wanted to mm-hmm. do. I just, I really want to know the answers. I do too, but I, I'm with you. I think that it is appropriately confusing Mysterious right now because yeah. we are in the position of Arya that she doesn't understand how. I mean, Arya wants yep. her to get revenge and we want Arya to get her revenge, but... The problem is she's hitched her wagon to a thing that she doesn't really understand and doesn't really necessarily agree with either. And doesn't care for her revenge. Yeah. That's the thing. She, yeah, in fact... Like, their goals are not aligned. That's the problem. Exactly. And where is this going to go uh, in the future? I, I don't know. Because uh, now that she's been blinded, I think that her story is pretty much caught up to the books. Okay. Maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. but that this is pretty much current with the books so I, I have no idea yeah if it wasn't game of thrones i would say oh so you know we're gonna come back next season and she's gonna do something to get unblinded i'm not certain about that well and like yeah like, I, I don't know that she needs her eyes for one if uh, you've seen daredevil you can have a pretty kick-ass <laughs> okay. show with a dude that's blind like i kind of wonder true, yeah if this is going to even make her because you know that's all goes back to cyril pharrell he was always trying to tell you about like the eye your eyes can fool you yeah and, and it's yeah. very Obi Wan. She's going to become. She's going to become Luke Skywalker in the Blast Shield helmet. Yes, it's going to unlock powers that we might yeah. not be able to imagine. And maybe that's. Maybe this is a, this is a step that every faceless man goes through. Could be. Could be. You know, and like he says, the you know what is the faceless man like? This I'm sure the faceless men attract people who want to kill for vengeance, and yeah. maybe this is a step of breaking them from that. But do we want to see Arya become no one? Not particularly. And how does she get I mean, out of this situation if that's what, like, that's one of the key tensions of the book. Like, it's really cool mm-hmm. to see her taking this assassin training, but we don't want her to consummate it. Yeah. Because then she we becomes... We want her revenge. We don't want her to be no one. We want her to be Arya fucking Stark. Yeah. Daughter of Eddard Stark, Lord of Winterfell, and for her to get... Yeah, ch- children of the Starks yes. are becoming precious few yes. in this series. We want her to continue as a Stark, I think. I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know how Although, it's going to affect her. Uh, arguably, Starks are doing better than Lannisters right now. Okay, sure. There's just but one Lannister left. It's, it's one one, and uh, he's locked himself in his room, weeping for weeks on end. Or not something. even Trueborn. He's a bastard too. Yeah, bastard born of incest, no less. <laughs> All right, so we move on to Dorne. Speaking of the Lannisters, where everyone's preparing to leave. It's all happy. Uh, Marcella's got Tristane, and they're on their way out. Uh. You know, it's easy to miss the kiss that happens here between Ilaria and and Marcella until you see what happens at the end of this scene. But yeah. they set sail. Jamie tries to confess to Marcella that he's her father and mm-hmm. she already knows. Um, and then they have a moment of happiness. And then, boom, she dies as predictably as ever in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so... And, and, and we go back to Ilaria, who's drinking a serum the, the antidote for the poison that she had on her lips which explains the earlier scene with Braun. i guess what do you mean 
that like that you they know, would have an antidote. They had the go? antidote. Like that's something that they do, so it didn't come out of left field. But like, I no, d- I, we talked about that. Yeah. We talked about how you know if you're using poisons, you might want to have the antidote on hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so that's, in case. What, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know that you needed that that justified the scene because to the extent that that scene meant nothing, and we kind of arrived at that conclusion anyway. I think it's reasonable to cons- to assume that other people will see the scene of her and her drinking the poison. Like, oh yeah, well she's fucking Oberyn's lover. Of course she would have poisons and antidotes and things like that. Yeah, no, I immediately knew what happened because I I missed the kiss the first time around. I was like okay. taking notes or something. Okay. Um, and when Marcella started bleeding, I was like, oh fuck, she got poisoned. Right. So I immediately knew, even without that context. I'm talking about the and I'm talking about the scene of the sand snakes poisoning. It was to show how it happened, right? Like, in case you missed it, here, you know, she's wiping her lips. Yeah. She's got the antidote. Here's how Marcella got poisoned. But I'm saying I don't think that justifies the previous scene with the Sand Snakes and Braun in jail. Oh, no. Like, no, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion that, like, there are some interesting things now because is Doran responsible for po- – is, is, is Alaria acting with his tacit approval? And this is just political cover – Good question. That's a bad decision, Doran, if you did this with your eyes open because you gave yeah. them your son. It's it's the dumbest thing you've ever done and will ever do. If not, and he is unable to bring the Sand Snakes and Ilaria under you know control, then he's a weak, ineffective ruler. And also, we don't have any knowledge of what his actual grand scheme is. So to me, every scene in Dorne has been uninteresting and boring. And and so stuff I, more to the point stuff they could have just put off till next year in favor of other cool things. I'm mostly with you. I I, I think some of that stuff was dumb and pointless and boring. Um, it does leave us in an interesting place, I guess, with with Doran and Alaria because he doesn't give third chances, as he said last episode. Yeah, no, she's if he finds out about this. Which he will. He may or may not, depending on how cunning the Lannisters want to be with this whole situation. Like, do they want to play their hand and say, you fucking killed our daughter or not? So you think it's interesting. So let's say Marcella. So how would they play that? So Marcella just dies. It's a shame. Uh, Tristan doesn't have a princess anymore. Is that interesting? If they accuse no, but you, if they like, say, oh, Marcella come, died. Come and visit, like, you know, Doran, come and visit your son ah. here in King's Landing. Everything is happy and fun here. Yeah. And then they say, they they get him there, and then they say, fuck you, you killed our daughter, we're going to kill you now. I mean, they're... Is that interesting? Does that make Doran... I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying, like, something has to justify... <laughs> it doesn't make Doran awesome, no. Something has to justify, like, 40 minutes of screen time in Doran, and I'm really struggling to see... I think the more likely outcome is he's going to find out about this somehow and put Alaria to death and potentially all of the Sand Snakes. But, okay, if you're going to do that plan, why not just have the Sand Snakes assassination attempt work? Instead of doing this poison thing after the fact? Yes. Like, episode four, they storm the water gardens, yeah. they kill Marcella, and they're spotted. And, I mean, if that's where you're going to go with this, why all the pussyfooting around? Yeah, I agree. And again, like I don't, I'm, I've yet to see a reason why I should give a shit about Prince Doran. He seems I, I agree like with that he's too. awesome. I want to see more of him, but he seems like he's awesome. But I, couldn't I, tell you why. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell you <laughs> why he's awesome, other than he's Oberyn's brother, and, and he's he, Alexander Siddig, or and he's very stern, Siddig. and he looks cool sitting on his wheelchair throne. Yeah. So, okay. I'm with yeah, you. Dorn has been the biggest disaster of this entire season. All right. Here's another question for you. 
as relates Dorne and Bronn. You think Jamie keeps his promise to Bronn to give him, you know, a better wife and a better kingdom, more money. If I were Jamie, I would. He's uh, Jamie's going to be super pissed off at the moment. Like this is not the time to go ask him, "Oh, Jamie, about that that uh, wife you promised me." If I were Dorne, if I were if I were Bronn, yeah, I'd be like, "Hey, I want to get mine." Yeah, but and not there'll at be this two, very moment. No, fuck that. There'll be two <laughs> dead Lannisters on this boat, cutting back to King's Landing. If you if you fuck me over, Bronn has all the cards. I just don't. It, it, does he though? Like he doesn't have what he wants, and Jamie's the only guy who can give it to him. If he kills Jamie, yeah, he killed Jamie, but, but he I'm still saying, doesn't have anything he wants. But if you put it around the other direction, why would Jamie f- fuck over Bronn? Because Bronn sure. can slink away and then come back and kill him. And what's, I, what's I Jamie going to do? It, I think Jamie should fulfill his promise I, I think here. He There's will. no reason for him not to, other than just general anger at his daughter being dead. Which, yeah, but that's a silly reason, especially in for my someone opinion. as dangerous as Bronn. I think what would be yeah. interesting is if there's some way that Jamie can raise the stakes and keep one more heisting oh, you. God. One more. I'll make you master of uh, coin. If they're just we're master of whores at King's Landing, and you'll yeah. be a great lord if you help me with one more heist. One more score, and then we retire. I, man, if Bronn goes for that. But the thing is, is like, what else? Like, Bronn's only interesting, it seems, when he's a man of action. If he retires content yeah. and as a member of a minor court, who cares? Sure. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. That would be... A happy ending for a character, right? Are you interested in seeing uh, Dorn in the sand or uh, Bronn in the Sand Snake shack up? No, me either. Like I, <laughs> I, I, it could be anyone, right? It's not Bronn that's that's the reason she's on to him. It's just that it's it's her. I, that's that young. She's on to anyone that steps into it her path. It seems like of you. she is hashtag thirsty as fuck. And yeah. why would Bronn? Like I feel like Braun, if she if she was more mysterious and and less like obvious and earbitey, that he would I would be, it'd be more plausible that they would be a match. But it's the weird. way she's gagging for it, just I th- feel like is it it's a turnoff for me, and I feel like Braun's kind of like oh wow, crazy Dornish women can't wait to get on his boat and never see you again. That's the thing. I felt like there was there was a moment in his eyes where he was like, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun because you're hot and I want it all the time. Sure. But you're kind of also really crazy and I'm going to get on this boat and leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't – even if that boat is not there ready to go. I'm not sticking my sword in crazy. Yeah, I'm not sure that he does, (laughs) especially after the poison thing, right? Like what kind of – I don't know, man. Seems like You can make an argument that he's never met a woman like that before. Okay, but they also didn't really establish her badass warrior credentials. But it, but it like feels if she to me was like as, any whore in Westeros is going to be like that, right? That's what I'm saying. Like if she if they establish her as a badass on par with like Brienne, mm-hmm. and she's got intri- you know intelligence and yeah. cunning, and she's like a but these these I don't take any of these Sand Snakes seriously at all, especially her. I mean, the, the show has shown us that she's the least. Of that the bad pousse line, just that. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. No. You know, frankly, I'm getting on that boat and I'm leaving after that line. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we go to Marine. Uh, Jorah, Dario, and Tyrion are bickering about what they should do now that Danny's gone. And they decide Dario and Jorah will try to find her while Tyrion stays in Marine to govern through Grey Worm and Missandei. Grey Worm's back. You not, know who else is back? Dead. Who? Dario. Dario has quietly become kind of awesome. He is the most level-headed of this entire group, surprisingly. Like, last season, they recast him from Euro Trash Dario to New Dario. We call him Dario Nyquilis. Yep. 
I believe that Nyquilis is now available in a new daytime non-drowsy formula. Extra strength. Extra, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all on board of this new. Like from the time he was given uh, uh, his dar shit. Yeah. Like shine him on about the bets and to him like having the level head and like he seems to be the Captain Kirk to so, Tyrion's I, I guess is was- the problem that that we got the original Dario before the recast doing all of the kind of awesome stuff and then this new Dario comes in it doesn't have anything awesome to do for a while except for like the one battle at the Wall of Marine I do think old Dario had a lot more inherent piratical charm and wit. He had, he had a rat face. He, he had a little he bit. He looked of a, a little more dangerous. A little bit of swagger and danger to him, where this guy it didn't. Yeah. But now he's got better material. Yeah. He I does, mean, like yeah. I feel like he is the Captain Picard, or he's the Captain Kirk to Grey Worm's Spock and Tyrion's McCoy. Okay. I'm not, I'm not seeing all the connections there. No. So you got one one logical person. Like he seems to be the most logical of them all, though. Like he's the Spock almost, eh, you know? maybe. But he's he's uh he he is the 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 commander. He's the leader. He is. He he's led that room. These guys, yeah. And he got both Grey Worm and Jora. I guess what would Jora? Jora would be like a a Worf slash Scotty, okay type. Uh, sure. But he got every. He essentially got everyone to go along with his plan with minimal maybe Worf Worf Sulu. Sulu takes uh takes charge with a sword every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie T on the forums mentioned that she thought some of this writing was a little too on the nose and clunky. Uh, which which parts specifically? I, at the I'm end, when he's curious. like, you know, uh, it, it's it's a little too. You know that scene in Fellowship of the Ring where Elrond is saying, "You will be the Fellowship of." It's like just very kind of like uh, on the nose, and I'm tr- I'm trying to hard I'm trying to articulate her point without having it in front of me but it just seems yeah. like there's something away in the way it was written that it stopped becoming game of thrones and became something like you would see on the cw huh there's okay. just i didn't get that but okay it's uh, it just a certain point where i was a little uncomfortable with it the one thing i did wonder about is Tyrion doesn't say anything about saving jordan's life on the road with his talking like if all he can do is talk he can't ride a horse he can't fight he can't do anything. He can certainly serve them by talking. He doesn't ever make that point. And granted, I think he's way better in Marine. No, Stay yeah. in Marine and govern. That's an awesome thing for Tyrion to do. Right. But, you know, he's not useless on the road. No, he no. saved Jorah and his own life. Sure. A couple of times. And, you and know, you know uh, like I said in the instant cast, it would not be surprised me. It'd not be surprising if uh, daytime formula Dario just offs Jorah. Okay. Or vice versa. <laughs> Like I think both of these men are yeah. committed to Danny and willing to do anything to make sure they're the one that wins, and that's going to be yeah. very interesting. Okay. The other interesting thing, I guess, is that Tyrion speaks Valerian. I buy it. Yeah, he seems uh, the I type of guy that could speak like eight languages. He's read the books, you know. Sure, he's studied up. Uh, we go to. He's got advanced copy of the Winds of Winter. That's how well he's written. <laughs> He's well read. We we have Tyrion surveying the land uh, from what is I guess the the lookout speaking point. It, it's kind of like the the balcony for the yeah, Pope, you know. Sure, I, I really like how they've they've set that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Varys shows up kind of out of nowhere mm-hmm. and gives him some advice on what to do next, which is 
you know, rule the city and find out, like, send my spies in, mm-hmm. send me in on the Sons of the Harpy. Mm-hmm. He'll do what a queen does. He will rule. <laughs> Is that what he says? No, it's what Danny said last season, but I thought it'd be super oh, funny. Okay. If Tyrion and or Varys said that. Yeah. Varys would be a little bit better. I think so. This comes vamping up. Uh it's I, great. This is what this is everything I want to see from yes, Game of Thrones right here. Yes. Yes. In fact, if Danny gets eaten by Drogo and Jorah and Dario kill each other, yep. I'm kind of on board <laughs> with just Varys and Tyrion ruling the city like two kings. And say what you want. With a gray worm mouthpiece. And yeah, and Miss Sandy. Miss Sandy's Miss Sandy's doing what here? I, that's yeah. Because they made the point that Grey Worm is the mouthpiece. I felt like Miss Sandy was the mouthpiece for the most part throughout most of this series. I guess they're like she's the heart of the Captain Planet thing. Okay, that that's kind of like no one, Danny, you know, Queen Daenerys doesn't trust anyone more than you, so you're going to keep an eye on these idiots. That's okay. kind of her role. Gotcha. The mom, yeah. she's uh-huh. the mo- like you know, keep him settled down. Uh, but say what you want about the writing in the last scene. This line at the end, I did miss you from oh, Tyrion, no, is great. just perfect. It's great. So did the rest of us. No, man. Bald and so Chain. So did everyone, man. Bald and Chain, surprise renewal. It's been two seasons. It's been off the air. Yep. Uh, they've recast it, and they went back to the original formula, and it's gold. Solid it's great. Love it. Anything and now they don't have that? to. That's the other thing. They don't have to be like this cat and mouse. Are you on my side? Am I, are you, I don't, I'm on your – are you on my side? They can just be – although – I'm Knowing Game sure. of Thrones, maybe there is more intrigue, but I kind of look forward to them just being on each other's side and having each other's back. I do too, but I'm not certain that's how it's going to play out. I mean, we Same. remember that the scene where Varys is looking at the throne and kind of just says, yeah, that's what I want. That's, yeah, I'm, not, I'm nodding my head toward the throne here. Could he use Tyrion and Danny as a vehicle to get to the throne? Is that possible? Like, I'm just worried that you trust anybody in this universe, your head's on the chopping block soon enough. I'm just saying, like, if if at the end of this, Varys is sitting on the Iron Throne. I know, it would feel so I'm wrong. trying to think what's in between eating the scorpion and, and drawing the word dick on my forehead. <laughs> because I'm pretty fucking drawing sure. the word dick on a scorpion. <laughs> and eating it. Okay, uh, yes. I'm pretty sure that, that a... That's not a bet that I made, by the way. Of course. Uh, that, that's just a eunuch sitting on the Iron Throne. I don't see how that would possibly work. Unless, yeah. could he be the prime minister in a kind of Westerosi's fried democracy? Okay. So I, that's the thing. Like, Since that's kind of what I want to happen, and he would be a fairly good prime minister figure, I don't want anybody to hit, get me on a technicality. But I would All be right. surprised if he sits as a monarch on the Iron Throne. I would be surprised, too. So it's like, I kind of feel like that was just him fucking with Littlefinger. You know, he wants the Iron Throne, okay. but not for himself, for the people. Okay. That would be cool. For the realm. So we go to Danny out in the middle of nowhere, trying to get Drogon to take her back to Marine, but he decides he wants to take a nap like, No, my five more minutes! <laughs> no! I got spears in my back, yeah. man. Come on. Uh, she walks out into a field looking for food, where she is surrounded by the Dothraki, and she drops a ring in the grass. Many, many people trying to defend this ring in the grass thing. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. We've got some emails, but the the gist of it is, you know, they 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 all they said that they they got the direction that Drogon flew off on in general. So they ride out there in general, assuming he makes no turns. Like if you see, it's, it's, uh, it's as the dragon flies, Jim. It's a phrase. It's a saying. 
Okay. Airplanes <laughs> make turns. If you saw an airplane leave an airport, would you be confident in the direction that you need to head to find it? I don't know. Like it just I mean it's the thing is is like I don't think I would. But with a dragon like why would he kind of veer off course? It's not like the air traffic control is telling him. He's probably going to draw a fly from wherever he is to he his roost. He sees he sees a goat. Like I mean Danny doesn't know where she is obviously. Yeah. I don't know how these people are going to even find the dragon. Well, that's what I'm let saying. Alone. But if, if they if they fly off in that general direction and he's got this big blackened roost and then you've got 50,000 Dothraki screamers on horseback doing a big circle around Danny. Then you're going to be able to obviously see that trail and follow that trail. And if she drops her ring in the middle of it, then they can maybe say that this is a sign that she's still alive or she intended us to. And then they can follow that. But now the next question you should ask is what the fuck is is Dario and uh, Jora Jario? What is Jario going to do to 50,000 Dothraki? Like, please give us back our queen, please, pretty please. Yeah, pretty much. Someone, another the- a good theory was that maybe she's dropping this. Because the Dothraki are rapist, uh, thieving, nomadic people that just pretty much take what they want. So maybe she was trying to get rid of her jewelry and finery to make her seem less appealing. Or In her fancy fucking dresses with her braids and... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying like or maybe that that was like a wasn't that a wedding ring? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. And that's the other I, thing. I, is I wish like, I looked up the significance of that ring because I'm sure there is some because because perhaps also it's like she was going to try to play the Cal Drogo card and yeah. she didn't want him to know that like, oh, I've I've remarried to a, a Miranese nobleman or something like that. So there's a lot of things like I I don't want to judge this as being ridiculous until I see next season, because another thing is I will say that I will swallow that ring if it's the price I have to pay to condense and get things back to where I think is interesting, which is Danny ruling Marine with Tyrion as a right-hand man. Yeah. So. I think yeah. it'll happen eventually. Sure. It has to. But what's that going to do to Varys? Varys is not going to be happy about that. Well, that's a good question because uh, we don't know what Danny thinks about Varys. I think it seems like we're to believe the implication is that Tyrion did a long way to kind of smoothing that over. But yeah. yeah. And also Varys can talk his way out of a, a noose. Oh yeah. I'm I'm not even like, I don't think he, he I'm even, even needs saying... Tyrion to vouch for him. I think you leave Tyrion. I mean, like, I think Varys can charm the pants off at Daenerys too. Sure. But not what I'm saying is to. like he might be pushed to the side. You know, if Tyrion is now the advisor. Oh, I think Varys likes being in the shadows. I think he would much rather be the man mm-hmm. whispering in the man's that's sitting on the throne or the woman. Sitting so he's the, the advisor to the advisor of the queen. Like he has survived like three different regimes now as a spy master. Oh yeah. That yeah. doesn't happen in the hands of the king. Sure. So yeah, I think there is definite, like if you want to be a power broker, it's better to be behind. It's like better to be look at Frank Underwood. Frank Underwood was cruising and crushing in season one or two. Then he became the man. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he can't get shit done. He was much more effective being the behind the scenes power influencer and broker. Indeed. Uh, one other thing I noticed, Danny has what appears to be bandages on her hands, although it could just be part of her outfit. I never know with her her <laughs> her gear. She's going to the uh, derelict look. Yeah, yeah. It's but very hot and Is that from here. climbing on the dragon? Did she, like, cut her hands on his spikes or something? Because I saw she, she well, prominently grabbed them. So I played the clip from the book last, last uh, episode, and in that sequence, uh, <laughs> she actually gets minor burns from like pulling the red hot spear out of Drogon 
and also just kind of okay. climbing on his lava hot. I mean, so there's she's, nothing of that in the show. Though. Yeah. So I'm, I was kind of, I thought that maybe as a nod to the book reader, but I'm getting less and less charmed and more and more annoyed by those. It's yeah. like, fucking quit winking at me and buy me a drink or something. Like, <laughs> put some of that shit on the screen, uh-huh. you know? Like, so people so people like you can stop saying, Danny's fireproof. Have her hands be burnt, you jackasses. <laughs> All right, so Cersei confesses to sleeping with Lancel, but denies that Jamie is the father of her children. The High Septon believes her and allows her to go back to the Red Keep, but first he strips her naked and makes her walk through the crowds of King's Landing to get there. Uh, and when she does, Kyburn's waiting and introduces her to the newest member of the Kingsguard, the Mountain. Uh, yeah, um, ritualized humiliation. Uh, yes. The also, is she's not getting out scot free. There's going to be a trial. Sure, but will there? Will there ever be a trial? Is she going to let a trial happen after this? It seems like it's going to be <laughs> Mountain Smash. If there's going to, yeah, if there's going to be a trial, they're going to have to get through the mountain. Like, I want to see, like, a six-foot-long sword and just a mountain wading through all those black-robed fuckers. Yes. It would be very satisfying. That's exactly what I want. Take out that that shame-shame-ding-a-ling nun. Take mm-hmm. out the High Sparrow. Like, now that Cersei's Take been, out Lancel. Take out Lancel. why not? Sure, why not? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I could get behind that. I mean, because, you know, Cersei hasn't exactly wiped the debt clean in my books, but... I'm kind of on board with her getting a little bit of vengeance on these guys because they're nothing yeah. to brag about either. No. A bunch of religious no. fanatics. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Uh, now, the really important, the really interesting question is what does this mean for the Tyrells? Because Cersei smashing huh. doesn't necessarily mean Marjorie and... No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Why would she help Marjorie out of that situation? No. And then what's her son going to react? And more importantly, what's Lady Olenna going to do? So I, it's going to be interesting to see how this coincides with Jamie getting back and her finding out that she literally has one son left. Also, the other thing you got to keep in mind is Kevin. Yeah. Kevin is back. He's He's been called in. And he is not a big fan of certain that did look like he had a little bit of pity or maybe just like, oh, Jesus, this shit. Um, when she came walking up to the Red Keep after the end of her ordeal. Mm-hmm. But Cersei's not calling the shots anymore. And the other thing is, I thought there was a significant look of like Master Pycelle. Like he like raised his eyebrows, like, oh, she's back. Uh, there is going, there's going to be an interesting power struggle. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Does having the undead mountain just make Cersei win everything? Does she have him kill Kevin? Does she have him kill Master Pycelle? I mean, yeah, you can have, you can have him kill a lot of people, but you got to protect your own back too, right? Like he's out rampaging how are you going to keep your enemies away from you i I don't know i mean the mountain is not the the trump card here Mm. necessarily Mm -hmm. he's he's a great he's like a a rook i don't know he's a he's a pretty powerful piece but he's not clearly (laughs) okay he's he's a pretty powerful piece but he's not he's not the absolute authority here He's yeah, one man. I mean, he, right. as powerful as he is and as strong and as undead as he is, he's still only one man. Yeah, a so, hundred dudes with, you know, torches and pitchforks would probably take him out. Even if they can't kill him, like a hundred dudes could distract him. You just sit on him. Yeah, sure. It's like, would you would you rather fight one Gregor-sized mountain or a hundred duck-sized Gregors or something? It's a classic Reddit yeah, yeah. question. Uh, also, there's a couple other things. Um I did not know this the first time I watched it, but tons of alert readers sent in the fact that this was a body double 
that Lena Headey was far enough along in her pregnancy that she couldn't do this scene. Yeah. So they digitally stitched another woman's body or her head onto another woman's body and looking for it mm-hmm. the second time I could see a little bit of that. Yeah. But it was I can't believe the guys that did this were unable to convince me a blonde girl could ride a dragon. <laughs> like it is it's, watching it 1080p. Yeah. It was really, really good. It's pretty good. It, something felt off the first time I watched it. Yeah. And, and, you know, now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty good. Right. And there, there are some scenes it's interspersed with, you know, shoulder up scenes of her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, all her. Yeah. And you and, can tell when it's her and when it's not. And just the, I think Lena got to be did. looking for it an amazing job of acting. And I just, I think yeah. she's incredible because she, she plays the virtuous queen Gorgon. She plays the supremely evil mama from judge the, the new dread movie, which she's fantastic in. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she plays this kind of very gray amorphous Cersei and she does it really well. She plays, yeah. you know, humiliated. She plays smug and she's like all over them. She plays drunk as hell. Uh, <laughs> and all those other things mixed in there too. She's just really good. Agreed. Yeah. I, I'm struggling to think of a bad actor, just like a plain, plain actor that I don't like in this series. What do you think about the, our cock quota? Something I've long complained about is we don't get nearly enough peen in Game of Thrones. We got an eyeful of peen in this episode. Lots of those commoners. Oh yeah, yeah. Inviting Jumping her, out and to, shaking their bits. Yeah, at her. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it wasn't. I mean, the quota is still the ratio is still off, <laughs> right? And also, you got to talk quality. Like I, I, I let the ladies and and the the gay dudes uh, judge it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's like Napoleon and the quantity has a quality all of its own, but okay. you know, yeah, floppy old man wieners uh, and in, invitations to suck them. Not doing it for you. I, you know, it's like it's like the it's like that's the Westerosi version of a dick pic. Yeah. I, no, nobody wanted that. Nobody, nobody asked for that. Frankly, nothing about this scene does it for me. Yeah. I mean. I, I think the scene is phenomenal. The nudity is not attractive. I was actually surprised by the number of people saying that they it wasn't enough for them. They they still really? are, are completely out on Cersei. Wow. I mean, I think she deserved a, a majority of that treatment, but well, that, once you start getting the shit smeared on your face and that kind of stuff, that's But that's this a line. is something she herself engineered. Mm-hmm. Eyes wide open. Yeah, no, I mean, her being imprisoned is comeuppance, you know? That's, and, the sh- and, and the walk of that's shame. That's all great. The walk of shame, shame, it shame, got ding, ding, ding. to a point where I was like, okay, I feel sorry for her at this in this moment, you know, not in general, yeah, but just in this moment, this is a little more than I felt like maybe she deserved. I thought it was kind of because, you know, I was kind of, as I was watching this, because this is like a whole chapter in the book. Wow. And okay. and and it's like the last thing that we see from from Cersei and the and the Red Keep kind of sorta. Of. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, and I remember thinking like when I was watching this, like, is this going on too long? But to me, it's like I thought it was, I guess, the perfect length because mm-hmm. Cersei has done a lot of shit that if they are wanting us to make her, kind of start rooting for her next year, they clearly didn't do it enough for some people, but for me, it sounds like for you, I'm I'm willing to let her. I'm willing to see some Cersei rampage next year. Yes, I think kind of going to be rooting for there. Cersei against. I mean, the 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 sparrows. That's the thing. Like, who are you rooting for her against? Right, the sparrows. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
Sparrows need to die and Cersei can live, as far as I'm concerned. Rooting for her against, like, Danny or Tyrion is an entirely different thing. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I, I'm ultimately on Marjorie and... Uh... Uh, not Lancel. Oh, Tyra, uh, yeah, but the, her brother. Um, oh, Lan- Loras. Loras. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on Marjorie and Loras' side more than anything, and I keep on thinking about what she said earlier. It's like if you storm the High Sept now, who do you think's going to die first? Yeah. So sure. maybe the Mountain can sneak in. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he's good at. I, but Cersei doesn't want that. That's the thing. Like Cersei, her perfect solution would be to smash them and the the Tyrells yeah. all die. Sure. Now that's stupid. To convince Tommen to do it, frankly, sh- but she still needs a Tyrell. So it's like that's the thing. It's like yes, I'm kind of rooting for Cersei, but she's also still yeah. a short-sighted idiot. And I think motive having this blinding need for vengeance, if that's indeed what she has, is not going to improve those qualities. You, you think she needs to die? You think Kevin needs to be the one that goes to the Tyrells and tries to smooth this over? Would that do it? The prophecy that we've all forgotten about from earlier in the season says someone younger and more beautiful than you will come along and overthrow you. Now, there was an interesting, compelling theory that that it's could not be Marcella. Marcella, but <laughs> we also know that they, she said all your kids are going to die. Yeah. So it seems to me that this is implying that Marjorie somehow is going to be the one that does her in after all of her kids are dead. Yep. But if she kills Tommen or if Tommen dies too, then... I don't know what that does to the royal succession. We have an email where I'm basically like, ah, I don't know. I mean, okay. I, I don't know what happens if Tommen dies. Mm-hmm. And now that Stannis is dead and all of his heirs are dead and Rinley is dead, the whole the whole Barathe- the Baratheon clan is wiped out. Lancel. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe that's George's point. He's he's got it right for Danny to come back because she's got. Yeah. The, she, it, it just defaults to her at that point. She's, it, it just feels like that whole empire. Is she's crumbling. the rightful queen anyway. Yeah. So, all right, we go to Davos showing up at uh, Castle Black trying to convince John that the wildlings need to fight for the north. John says, nope, nope, they're free now. They're going to do whatever they want. Yep. Melisandre shows up with some bad news, which everyone just kind of infers from her frowny face. She doesn't actually say anything. She looks pretty sober. She, yeah, looks ripe for killing. Why'd she ride to Castle Black? (laughs) How did she ride to Castle Black? The way is clear. Uh, Lord of Light turned up the, sure. the heat on her magical horse uh, that she conjured. Why did she ride to Castle Black? Because it is she's she might try to spin this. I don't know. I, I can imagine Melisandre trying trying to spin something in her favor. It's what she tends to do. Uh, I I don't know though. That's a good question because there's no army up there for her to do anything with. It puts her closer to the danger of the White Walkers. Um. What she seems to be concerned about. Yeah. She's the one that ultimately is like, you're right. We need to go up to the wall and, and save the, the Black Brothers because... It's got to the... be for John, right? I mean, he's the last bit of... But, man, I, I struggle to wonder... I, I struggle to figure out whether or not she's disillusioned with herself at this point mm. and this magic that she's been wielding because, obviously, it fucking fell down it kicked itself in the dick and fell right out the front door in this episode. Yeah. And she realizes that. She doesn't leave that battle if she still thinks, we've got this. Do you think she's lying to Stannis when she said, I saw Bolton banners and flames? Because one of the things I think is interesting about her is she know. sees a lot of, there's a lot of implications that she sees a lot of stuff in the flames that are accurate, but she does not interpret them perfectly. Okay. 
So maybe she sees the Bolton banners burning in the future, but and she thought it was it was Stannis because that's her man and all that. So like I think that's interesting that she's essentially a person trying to use magical powers of this god, then she just lost the owner's manual. Okay. Because I like that. Yes, she can do magic. Like I've uh-huh. had a couple people emails like, "What if the shadow baby's a trick?" No, I Davos it had saw a, an effect in the real world. Davos saw the shadow baby crawl out of her vag. Uh, Brienne and Cat both saw it actually murder Rinley. Yeah. So unless that's like a delusion that was shared by three different people across a, a distance, yeah, it has to be real. Mm-hmm. Now the leech stuff. Who, who knows the burning yeah. Shireen stuff? We know she uses powders and stuff, and whether she survived the 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 poison of Master Crescent, I don't know. But it's a mistake to write her off. And also, also, Beric Dondarrion has been brought back to life six times uh-huh. by the drunken, failed priest of the Red God, the Thoros of Mir, who is the same one that Melisandre worships. Yes, they both worship okay. the Lord of the Light. Gotcha. Yeah, I think she has some power. I just don't know where it ends and what she thinks of it at this point. And I don't know. That's the interesting thing. I don't know if she knows that either. Yeah. She might be just as confused and shell-shocked as any of us. Indeed. But she was also responsible for burning Shireen, so fuck her. <laughs> Man, I've hated her since the beginning. You don't I'm, on the pa- I'm on the same page with you now, buddy. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, we go to John in his chambers. Ollie comes in, tells him that there is a wildling who knows... Bingen and saw him in Hardholm. The one weird trick to assassinate a black brother. Lord Commanders hate it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a BuzzFeed article. It is. Uh, John rushes off to speak with him, but it is a trick, and everyone stabs him for the watch. Then Ollie comes in with a killing blow. So I talked on Instant Cast about how I thought it was funny about the Bingen preview and, and my little bet. Yeah. But also, it works as a great meta narrative. Because it essentially put us in the exact same position as Jon Snow. We're like, fucking binge it, come back. Rushing wow. Into the episode. Wow. And yeah. then we get to the end and it's like, wah, wah, for the watch. And I thought it was cool how it put, especially the book readers, especially the book readers. Because, man, Friday, like Reddit and Saturday, people were losing their shit when that thing leaked. Because mm. you got to understand, like, binge in Stark is the biggest joke in, in among the book readers. Like, it's like... You know, uh, anytime someone gets crazy with the, this person and some other person theory, this person's really dead. The 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 first post is going to be, oh, I bet he's Benjen Stark. Mm. You know, it's just that this guy who seemed like he's going to be important and has gone off and not done shit for five books. Yeah. And apparently is just dead. Um, so him coming back was like potentially one of the biggest spoilers of, of the books possible. Gotcha. And then it just to be a way to get John out of his quarters to kill him. Re- a very successful troll. By Good Martin stuff. and the Double Ds, I gotta say. Yeah, and I like how they start playing the inspirational music. Like, yeah. we're gonna have a light at the end of the tunnel here, people. Get ready for it. No, no. Why does Sir Alistair let John and the Wildings through the gates if this was his plan? <laughs> this is a question I asked in the instant cast. I, I don't know. I don't know. Why would he agree to let the Wildlings into the North? Yeah, it's another thing where I feel like that they the timing of this really fucked things over. Like as thrilling as it was to see John at Hardhome, it did fuck with a lot of the the the, the plots. Um, and they also they the the, the mechanism of actually assassinating John, um, how the Black Brothers arrived at that conclusion, and like the supporting information and and what the 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 terminal event was is completely different. And I don't know what to feel about that. Um, so I wonder. Okay. One thing I can say is this. Yeah. 
but but I really, if this is true, I really could have used a scene, a, fla- a scene at Castle Black to establish this. Is like, let's say that the the head builder and the head steward and the first ranger, they're all sitting because they 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 they've done a good job of showing that they disapprove of all this. Mm-hmm. They're they're all talking in their Black Brother house about what to do about Jon Snow, and maybe Sir Alistair says, you know what, guys, he's probably not going to make it back from Hardhome. Those wildlings are either going to gut him or he's going to freeze to death or whatever. So let's not worry about it until we have to. Then John comes with all these wildlings and they're like, fuck, what do we do? We haven't had the. Okay. Then they a, need it a takes second by meeting. Surprise, Whoops. But we needed yeah. that. I feel like that that's something I'm just making up. And I wish that there was a scene that suggested that because if you just go by what the show shows us. It seems very stupid for the Black Brothers to kill John now after they let him. You know, all these wildlings that presumably feel some kind of loyalty towards them for saving them. Also, the fact that the John and all these other black brothers came back and said, look at all this army, the dead shit that's going on. Like, it makes the politics of that seem extremely petty. Yeah, which I'm not sure that Alistair is above. You know, I mean, he's been kind of petty the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. And a, a dick. All that war has a way of squashing dissent. I Sure. And the, the other question I, I have is, or the other reason maybe he did it, he sees he sees this mass of people out out in front of the wall. I guess he might not know that there are a bunch of women and children and like the weakest and uh, least equipped of the, all of them. But maybe he thinks, you know, I don't really want a battle. I don't have a lot of brothers here to fight this battle. So let them in. Let them in and then kill John. Yeah, but then like you still it, have to figure you still have to do something with the wildlings because now they're yeah, on the but, wrong side of the but wall. It's, but is it better than fighting them? If he thinks those are a bunch of men down there ready to ready for battle, potentially. So here's the thing: what do five thousand to ten thousand wildlings do if they hear the Black Brothers have mutinied and killed the one man who was trying to forge a peace between them? Sure. Like, okay, do we sit and sleep within striking range of these, or do we all march against uh, Castle Black and put them to the sword? Like, everything, like, without John, everything seems I, like it goes I, back I, to everyone's basis instincts, and the Black Brothers are going to lose that that battle. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Tormund would have to be the one to decide that, right? And maybe they mount up and they go do the 20 good men or the 100 bad men strategy, and, like, well, uh, we're going to open up with, like, a, well, it wouldn't be a Winterfell. It'd be in the Gift or wherever, Mole Town, wherever the wildlings are settled. They're going to go through and like opening next season. They're just going to just rampage through them. Oh, just pillage the countryside. But, man, do I feel good about that? Knowing what is going north of the wall, like this is all starting to be like just a slow motion car wreck. Yeah, and at some point, yeah. damn, like it's it's like you know burnout. Like they're doing a crash challenge to see how many points they can rack up. Like yeah, at some point they got to stop that and and band together, or it's going to be too late. Okay, I mean, we've kind of talked a little bit about Melisandre resing John, I think, or so, that may have been during our pre-conversation. So, so I can't let's, let's talk about. It. So let's let's yeah. go through the theories. Jon Snow is dead. He's just dead. Looks pretty fucking dead to me. That's very Game of Thrones. Yep. His brother just died. His father just died. Neither of them were resurrected. Yep. Uh, the big sticking point in a lot of people's minds with that is that they set up in the very first season an essential mystery of the parentage of Jon Snow. Okay. He doesn't know who his mother is. His father said he'd tell him when he gets back to King's Landing. Um, you know, that we saw Peter Baelish throwing some shade on the co- conventional Rhaegar went and raped Lyanna Stark. Uh, 
if 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 Jon Snow's dead, then we have a central POV character that has a, a mystery around his heritage that's unresolved. And I think that would be a first for Game of Thrones. Hmm. Okay. Like none of the other characters that have died have had a central kind of like dangling mystery that that was was unresolved at the time of their death. Also, yeah. you know, Thoris of Mir uh, said when he brought back Beric Dondarrion that he was at a low point, that he, ne- he didn't even believe in the Red God in, at that point. And he was just saying these prayers as a, over his friend as some kind of rote thing. And <laughs> presto changeo, the guy came back to life. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a good job of showing that Melisandre is at that same point. She seems very disillusioned and very unsure of herself. And significantly, she's come back to the wall. The other possibility yeah. is we saw a lot of eye fucking going on between the Night's King, the head White Walker, and Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. What if Jon Snow arises as a white? What if he becomes an evil figure? You know, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, he can, the, the White Walkers can certainly raise people from the dead. Will they? I don't know because the the Dandarian thing is a fairly compelling argument. the The only time that we've seen people not come back as monsters is that guy. But right? he also says significantly that every time he comes back, he loses a piece of himself. That he's diminished yeah, but somehow. He, he but seemed fairly. He was a good dude. Normal. Yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. It wasn't like the mountain coming back. No. It wasn't like, uh, fucking white. Uh, where they're just shambling undead. What's the fucking Dothraki guy's name? Cal Drogo. Cal Drogo coming back, when yeah. he came back as just a vegetable. Yeah. I mean, they, they've come back just completely useless for the most part. And also, if you if you hold... It's, so so it's, them, them worshiping the same god, that's, that's where I'm going. Okay. That's, that's an interesting idea. The other thing about him, him coming back as a white uh, is the problem with that is that they seem like they're brainless or they're servants of the... Of, they are. Of yeah. the... the white walkers but we also know that stark children can warg mm-hmm. and like bran first manifested it when he went into a coma after he had a near-death experience getting thrown out of the tower mm-hmm. one of the other popular theories uh amongst people that have been exposed to this information before is that perhaps john will warg into ghost or you know it's similar in a way that bran warged into his dire wolf and that that will maintain his consciousness in some way so that if he does come back as a white that he can eventually warg back into his old body and retain his memories and his personality intact as a undead zombie. What do you think of that theory? That's a, that's reaching man. Really? That's fucking reaching. (laughs) There's no indication that if your body is dead, you can warg, warg out of it and into something else. And for, for an extended period of time, like, so you don't need your brain or your consciousness at all. Like that, it's not established enough, I guess. The only thing we've seen is that a live brand has worked into other things and then for for moments at a time and then come back into his body. Yeah. That's why I think it's a reach because none well, of that is Jojen established said at all. When, when Bran started spending more and more time in his wolf last season, he's like, you can't do this. You will eventually lose yourself. Sure. So... So if you have nothing to warg back into your own body. But I got to, you know, I guess just felt like it's my due diligence to show all the possible mechanisms of coming back sure. to life. Or Kyburn could come ride a horse and and, and have a Frankensnow. But, uh, you know, you got the white and, and there was some significant looks between him and the head white walker. So maybe 
Maybe. And then the thing is, is like I said about Danny. I, don't know. I think it's much more likely that Melisandre goes to work on him. It's the same thing I said about Danny. Like, it's been. It's been something I've always pondered about whether Danny could turn evil. And if Jon Snow is another central character, and given this is the story of Ice and Snow, mm-hmm. some people have taken that and interpreted as like, well, maybe Jon and Danny get married and live happily ever after and they rule the kingdom as king and queen. But it's just as likely that they're going to be bitter enemies. One's going to be good, one's going to be evil, or they're both evil. Yeah, I think so. My prediction, if I if I had to make one, and I, I kind of want to here, is Melisandre. You know, when she was at the wall before, she was all over Jon Snow sure. and she wanted to bend him to her will and get his blood and all this stuff. At the sure. end of this scene, we see blood leaking from Jon Snow. We see Melisandre come back at an opportune time. The only reason she didn't use him before was because he wouldn't allow it. Now and he, he wasn't hasn't... a virgin. But which... but she seemed to think that was cool. Yeah, like, right. Like, good. So, her like, response like, was If you were a virgin, I couldn't bring it back. When yeah. I'm gonna have to, but since you've so, gotten your dick wet, then it's uh, everything's good. So now he has no say over it. He's bleeding out in the snow. If Melisandre comes up and does her dirty work on him, yeah, uh, he might be resentful for that. She might bring her him back, work. and he's pissed off, and that might be a conflict within himself. You know, I am a freak of nature. What do I do about this? Uh, so the other implication: uh-huh. Jon Snow dies. He's brought back to life. Is he freed from his vow as a Night's Watchman? <laughs> well, and I don't know what the vow says specifically enough, but I'm sure there's a loophole in there. Yeah, where, you know, you gave your life for the Night's Watch. Yeah. Now you can go do your own thing. My, my watch begins until, like, every time they die, they say his watch is in. Do they have to read him his vows? Well, see, that's what I'm read wondering. Read like, him if, his last rite if, or whatever if, it is. If, if we see Alistair say, now his watch is ended... Yep. And then Melisandre comes and gives him the kiss of life or whatever the hell it looks like. And even they burn him up. You know, that's the other but thing. he doesn't well, burn. I didn't mention that. That was another theory that um, it's potential that there is some mirroring between what happened to Danny. They put him on yeah. a funeral pyre. He gets burnt up. But he doesn't. He doesn't burn. Yeah. Then what? Because Melisandre's done her thing or something. Who or knows? Maybe even it's unintentional. But yeah, there's, huh. there's a little parallel to that, too. Uh, the Contra is that he does look like he's dead. And in an interview with <laughs> Entertainment Weekly, Kit Harrington maintains that Jon Snow is capital D dead, that he is not coming back next season. Uh, he made references to the fact that he got his hair cut, which is something he was not allowed to do under his contract. And huh. now you know what I think about all of this bullshit. This is all, you know, if you say that, if, if, if you take that as gospel, then I don't know what to say because he's an actor. Yep. And what else is he going to say? No, totally. They're bringing me back. I mean, this is a that's a cliff. It was the cliffhanger. What is going to happen with him? Yeah, but no one knows. Not anyone knows. And probably it's still, not even Martin. Well, I mean, this presumably wins the winners like eighty percent written. Surely he knows. But yeah, nobody Maybe. knows the answer for sure. So we'll have to see. All right. Uh, I do. I do really like that shot with the blood kind of seeping out into the snow. The the contrast of red blood on white snow is always cool, especially you know yeah. given his last name and all and, that stuff. And I like the I like the Ollie. You know that that's been something that we've been speculating because we knew the book readers knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Um. And we you know we've been spotting the you know Ollie having his et to Ollie moment a mile away. Yeah. But I thought it worked really well, and I felt very bad for Ollie. Uh, okay. In in some ways, yeah. He he lost his whole family. And I think 
ironically, Sam sealed John's fate here. How so? Uh, well, I mean, I think the Black Brothers would have killed him regardless. But, but all, <laughs> yeah. the reason Ollie got involved in, and what this is going to perhaps cost Ollie is because Sam told him, like, I wonder if there was a conspiracy about doing this to John and Ollie found out about it and Sam convinced him to keep his mouth shut rather than warning John hmm. or maybe even participate in it. Yeah. Because he's a steward after all. Interesting. I don't know. I don't well, know. Also, Not you wonder screen. why... They had to go through all this trickery to get him out of his master or his Lord Commander chambers. You think they could just go and kill him? You would think so. But I don't know. It was dramatic. Yeah, it definitely was. All right, that's it for the episode. Hey, everybody. Today's podcast is sponsored by Casper. You can actually go to casper.com slash GOT and get $50 off your order. And Casper is in the business of selling a very finely, exquisitely engineered mattress. It's Mm -hmm. a hybrid foam type. Now, you know, a lot of people have heard of the memory foam mattresses and, you know, some people love them. Some people hate them. Um, Some of the complaints are they're kind of hot. Some people find them too stiff. Yeah. Uh, Casper's found this like really sweet point where they they it's a blend uh, of two types of surfaces. One is a memory foam with with a latex uh, covering and it gives you just the right amount of sink and bounce and also doesn't retain body heat as well. So it is provides a cooler, more comfortable experience. And I've been sleeping on one for the past two months, and it replaced a very nice quality mattress. It was about halfway through its lifespan, I'd estimate. So it's not like I had springs <laughs> poke my back. It was super uncomfortable, uh-huh. but it was a noticeably better experience. Primarily, like, you know, I sleep with a partner and, uh, you know, you do not get the same kind of jostle transfer. That's what okay. I noticed too. Like if you someone have you gets tried up, the wine glass with the bowling ball experiment? Haven't done that yet. Haven't okay. done yet. For, but for practical sleeping purposes, I found that it did a good job of isolating the kind of the vibrations and stuff. And the, the it's way, super comfortable. The way that I measure a good mattress: if I were to jump off a wall, how many of these mattresses <laughs> would it take to break my fall when I hit the bottom? If you jumped off a winter let's say fell, a Winterfell height wall, yeah, one maybe two. Whoa, that, it, it's the equivalent okay. of twenty feet snowbank, easy. That's impressive. All right. Uh, so, no, it's a really great mattress. The other innovative thing is there's not a showroom. They ship it to your door. Uh, I got a king-size mattress, and the package was I, – I called it Lord Tyrion size. Uh-huh. It's about you know three and a half foot tall by two by two. Huh. So much easier to get up a couple flights of apartment stairs, which I had to do, than a conventional king-size mattress. Um, it was not a problem at all. It was shipped in a nice, secure box wrapped in a, a, a Tyvex wrapping. They provide you a tool so you can slice that thing open without c- cutting your fingers or cutting the mattress. Hmm. It instantly expands out to its normal size. I thought the outgassing, because I've, I've had memory foam pillows and stuff, and sometimes it does smell like a refinery for like two, three weeks. Yeah. Um, this thing, I, I, I spread out in a mattress on the floor, and I left it for a couple days over a long weekend, came back odor-free. In fact, I might have even slept on it the first night. Nice. Um, they've got a... Since it is a you know a, a ordering a mattress by by internet, mm-hmm. they do have a hundred day money back guarantee. If you don't like the mattress, they will come or have someone uh, either a recycling center or a donation facility come and pick it up from your house. You just have to say, "Hey, uh, I'm unsatisfied with this mattress. No questions asked. They they have uh, uh, free delivery and painless returns. Also, the mattresses are made here in America." All right. So it's got a lot of stuff going for it. Uh, again, you can get uh, $50 off of your order by using our casper.com slash GOT 
special affiliate link. And the price points is anywhere from $500 for a twin size mattress up to $950 for a king size mattress. Again, you can knock 50 bucks off of that. Already reasonably priced, I'd say. If you compare this yeah. to the markup on, you know, a conventional mattress store, it's, it's yeah. extremely reasonable, especially for the quality that you're getting. I'm a big dude. Uh, you know, I tend to say I, I found that the mattress is almost perfect for me sleeping. Okay. Uh, they've got a, 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 a support line staff of actual people and they like, you know, have crazy claims. Like you can just go and talk to them. They'll talk to you about sleep hygiene, how you can sleep better. They'll read a bedtime story to you. Uh I don't know if that's like an every night kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) but, but you know, the fact that they have that kind of excellent support and after sales support is pretty impressive in this day and age, especially from a company that's shipping over the internet. Sure. But I, I really recommend it. I've enjoyed my time with the mattress. And if you want to try it out, if you're in the market for a mattress, you, you can't go wrong trying it. It's free delivery and free pickup if you don't like it for 100 days. Try getting that at a mattress store. <laughs> try, try getting it out the door and, and returning it. Yeah. Not so easy. Go to casper.com slash GOT and use our exclusive promo code GOT to save 50 bucks on your purchase. Why don't we get into some feedback? Let's do it. Uh, we've got two from last week that I wanted to squeeze in. Mike H. said, uh, I took Melisandre walking out of the tent before the fires erupted in the Stannis camp as a sign that not only did she sense the danger as it was happening, but that she knew it would happen in time to prevent it, but needed it to happen to push Stannis over into the Burn Shireen edge. I thought it added an extra level of fanaticism to her. What do you think about that? Has, has he not seen this episode? Because what did it get her? Well, like burning Shireen got her nothing. No, but she didn't know that. What I'm saying I know, is that but... she could have maybe warned Stannis, but she really, really wanted to burn Shireen to get her further in with Stannis or to make her seem like she's more indispensable or whatever. Okay. Okay. So you're not postulating that it actually helped anything. It's just. Well, more on she, that later. She had fun. Uh, <laughs> Luke K said, "In your full, this is an interesting one. In your full cast in episode four hundred seven, Mockingbird, because Luke's been going back through a previous season. Fuck, and going back and, and I listening. hope he quotes us because he does. Because a, lis- a listener pointed out that Mel might wa- well try to convince Stannis to burn Shireen at the hour twenty two minute mark. Aaron pointed out that it'd be a massive shitstorm if so, and Jim remarks that it seems like something George R. R. Martin would do." Seems followed like up by Aaron saying, no way in hell does Stannis burn Shireen, <laughs> which Jim then disputes. Uh, he goes, not not making fun. It's just something you, I think you guys would be interested to know. And you're right. That happens a lot of the It show. was a George R. R. Martin thing to do. It did create a massive shitstorm. Sure. And I was incredulous. You, you, even after it happened, you were incredulous. Yeah. And I'm still like. With good reason. I've come around on it. But I will say this, that if I read The Winds of Winter and Stannis is not direct responsible for for Shireen burning, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. Because that's just an unnecessary shot of his character then. Like, I would believe that Solis and Melisandre could conspire to burn against, her against his wishes. Okay. But if it goes down that way in the book, I'm going to be pissed at Double D's retroactively. Michael P. said, this Dario and Jorah roadshow could be very well awesome. I'm dubbing it Brokeback Mormont. <laughs> Getting all the comedy out of the way so we can get to the scent. Uh, right. Dan from Manchester says it's fitting in the final episode we get a return of the original cast of Bald and Chain along with a touching sentiment as the old lovers discuss how much they missed each other. It's like a classic rom-com. Yep. I don't know who said it on Facebook, but someone said that the new season should be called uh, Two Half Men. <laughs> wow. That's good. Uh, Jamie D said, I don't think the Night's Watch assassins thought out their plan very well. Those thousands of wildings just came through that tunnel. 
They outnumbered them. Holy crap, the one. Mm -hmm. They had a deal with Jon Snow. They just fought beside him and were rescued by Jon Snow. They do not have a deal with Thorne or any of the other members of the Night's Watch. And they do know that they have no honor. They may look not look fondly on the men who killed Jon Snow. Davos certainly won't. But then I know nothing either. It seems politically unwise to do this. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know what the point was. I will say that Davos taking black would be a good look, too. Yeah. Couldn't you see Lord Commander Davos? I mean, black is a serious thing. Why would he take it? His Didn't his son die in the Battle of the Blackwater? That's fine, but... You know, that's a very a very final thing, especially if you're an honorable man. So. But if you're king, if, like, you are the hand of the illegitimate king of Westeros, mm-hmm. you are, your choice is essentially exile, death, working for the Lannisters, maybe, if they'll, if they'll have you. Or yeah, shipping or, out the onions, man. Or, He's going to go well, right back to... Well, I guess he to, could go back to pirate. I mean, he could do, like, that's the thing. He could do something else. The black is very a final thing that seems like a bad thing for most people. Yeah, his point in life, I could see it happening. Okay. I like Stannis taking the black, too. Wow. I like Stannis and Davos both taking the black. <laughs> I also would have really liked if Stannis had corrected Brienne at the end, like when she's like, you know, going on and on about Renly being a rightful king. He's like, look, kill me if you want, but I'm the oldest fucking brother. Don't ship this rightful king bullshit. All right. Yeah. You know, he'd have one last fewer moment. Uh, Michael K said, Cal Drogo was saved by the witch when he should have died. The witch said only death can pay for life. Something repeated by um, Jackin. Yeah, Jack and Hagar in this episode. What if Melisandre told Stannis to burn Shireen because she saw that Jon was going to be killed and needed to pay a royal death for a royal life? Or what if it was just accidental? She burned Shireen thinking that she would get a warm snap. Coincidentally, you got a warm snap and now warm snap, and now she's paid ahead the life for life and can bring Jon back. Hmm. Seems like it's more grist for that particular meal. Okay. Kristen K. have his theory. What if the White Walkers and the clergy of the Lord of Light are working together? They can both raise people from the dead. It fits in with the title of A Song of Ice and Fire. Melisandre claims to be searching for Westeros' savior, but looks to me like she's dismantling the most powerful players so the White Walkers can make a clean sweep. Why else would she destroy Stannis' line, bring his army to shambles, bail on him, and head straight to Castle Black? It didn't look like she was having fun doing all that. Is all I'm saying. True, but she she's she could be an actor. The look on her face is one of devastation, like devastation in losing the army that she had. Devastation in her powers may maybe not being all she thought. No, I, that's I agree. how I read it. I don't I don't think this was all part of the plan. And if it is, she's a fucking incredible actor. Okay, just amazing. That's a good point. Uh, the character. So no sale on that theory. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Sorry. Uh, Troy C says, from your talk on instant take, it's clear that you two have never had the pleasure of jumping off a building into a snowbank. That is entirely true. Uh, he says, the look between Sans and Theon, the contrast between the dirt that Miranda fell on and the stacked snow outside the city walls. Sans and Theon have probably done this before. They grew up in Winterfell and have presumably seen a few snowstorms. Plus, the snow is melting, meaning it would be particularly soft, cushioning their fall. I guarantee these two, as well as their other siblings, did this exact same thing for fun as children. Maybe I noticed it because I've done it, drunk and off the roof of my frat house during the snowpocalypse of 09 and 2010. 
In case you're wondering, that roof was three stories up, and I was fine. I did not ha- know how tall the walls of Winterfell's are, maybe five or six stories, but I think the indication is clear that as children of Winterfell, they knew the stor- snow would cushion their fall. And Mario P. was the first one to send in the footage of the crazy Russian jumping off a, wait for it, five-story building into a snowbank, which I will include in the show notes, along with the link yeah. to the EW, uh, the Entertainment Weekly interview with Kit Harrington for you guys to, to check out. Okay. Uh, can I just... I just want to say, I hope you were not the first one off that roof. Yeah. I get that you were drunk, but being the second one off is fine. If you wait a couple minutes and see that the guy's okay. Yeah, you don't know, that might not be a snowbank. It might be a pile of rebar yeah. that's got like three inches of snow on top of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I hope those Russian dudes like check somehow. <laughs> and still, they but jumped Russian, in, they did They jumped in feet first. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. I mean, yeah, it can happen. Wow. Uh, Joffrey H said again, I don't think they staged it the best because sure. And unless the previously ons also include this footage of the Russian dude jumping off of their dorm building and surviving, they're going to be, be great. I guarantee people be calling bullshit next year. Joff H said when Theon and Louise went over that, ledge, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Copying his email. I didn't even get that joke. Nice. I was thinking that there's no way they survived that fall. Maybe the snow breaks their fall. But I could also see the first scene next season being a dead Theon under Sansa as he spared himself along with the snowbank to shelter her fall. What do you think of that? Does that work? Can you fall on someone else's body and survive? Like, I know, you know, I've seen the Born Identity. So two weeks ago on Reddit, there was a there was something in a uh, Today I Learned about a skydiving instructor whose all three parachutes fail as he was tandem diving with a woman. Oh, my God. And this was like an altitude of 10,000 feet. He managed to roll onto his back. And, yes, she was grievously injured, but his little cushion, he was splatted, but she survived. So, all right, well, I think that would actually be the more interesting possibility if we're kind of both right, that that is a slightly unbelievable depth of snow, but then Theon somehow cushions her with her body and he dies and she lives. We need a Game of Thrones Mythbusters episode is all I'm saying. <laughs> right? This is perfect fodder for that. Give them a couple seasons. I'm sure they'll work around to it. Yeah. What show did they do that for? Did Breaking it? Bad? Yeah. They've done yeah. it for a lot, like James Bond. They but, have, But sure. Breaking Bad, I, I remember. Um, so anyway, that's a good one. I like that one, Joff. Uh, Jasmine G said, I think they can make Danny's ring drop plausible next season. It shouldn't be too hard. This is the same point that I think I made on her behalf. Shouldn't be too hard to track Drogon's flight path. I'm sure someone saw him somewhere along the way, and I'm sure there are some burnt corpses along the way as well. My guess is they'll find the giant pile of ash and corpses left by Drogon and decide to scout the area. Then they'll find the ring and follow whatever clues left behind by the Dothraki. It's still a needle in the haystack moment, but it's possible if you assume that Danny didn't walk very far from Drogon's little nest of dead bodies, which I do assume. Yeah, I I assume that too. I still think it's far-fetched. Uh, maybe Tyrion can take one of the other dragons and ride it out to Drogon's nest or lair or whatever the fuck that is. Oh, well, funny you say that, because Thomas says, what if they free the dragons of Marine and they lead them to Drogon's lair? okay, perfect. (laughs) That makes the needle and haystack thing become more plausible. I agree, like, if Tyrion says you need a dragon, find a dragon, and they unleash the dragons and follow them, I'd absolutely believe that they could follow their brother back to his lair. Yeah. And that would also get yeah. the dragons out of the pits. I mean, we know that they have some kind of homing sense, right? Like, well, something about that moment with Danny and sure and Drogon. I mean, maybe the dragons don't even lead them to Drogon; they just lead her straight to Marine or straight to uh, Danny. Mm. 
Yeah. No, I like right? I said, I could You don't even necessarily have to find Drogon or that ring. <laughs> I could buy that. Beth also has another theory. It didn't occur to me that she's leaving the ring as a breadcrumb. I interpret that as her saying fuck it to Marine and to being the queen of a city that doesn't want anything to do with her. Really? Like simultaneously I, seeing I the Dothraki, remembering that she was Khaleesi before she was queen, was mm. her like rejecting the Marinese. I didn't get that either, but I also think it's plausible. Yeah, I'm not on board with it. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Beth, there you go. Uh, Jim just gave it a fuck at the year theory. <laughs> Cotter S said, I saw Melisandre's leaving as less of an, oh, crap, I've finally been exposed, but more of an, oh, crap, I read the signs wrong or gave the wrong advice. Melisandre is a true believer that her magic is real, and so based off these characteristics, I assume that she interpreted the troop desertions and Salisa's suicide as one of the below, as reconciled from her point of view. A, Stannis wasn't ever supposed to be the king. What if the Lord of Light had a grander scheme, one that needed Stannis to get to this place in time? They always do those those Lords of Light. They do, those yeah. damn lords. You know, one thing doesn't work out, you move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the signs Melisandre read were just a way to get him there. Maybe Stannis had outlived his usefulness to the Lord of the Light and so was just at the end of the road, and those bad turns of events were a message to Melisandre that she has served her purpose and she should get out of there before things went south. She could have at least used his royal blood, right? Oh, yeah. Why'd she have to burn Shireen if she's got the fucking king of Westeros? Fresh out of leeches up north. I guess so. Too cold for leeches. Just put it in a mason jar, store some for later. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, they, they, she did, and they froze solid. God a, damn it. As, you know, those snowstorms. They make freezer ones now. Do they? Freezer safe, yeah. I bought a bunch the other I day. I wonder, because I saw a bunch of mason jars in your freezer shattered. Uh, yeah, I don't... I, I, they've been there for a while. I'm like, I wonder... I want to see how long this takes to resolve itself, but they actually make freezer-proof ones, huh? They do, yeah. How do you make... Are they plastic? No, they're glass. I don't know. How how do you make microwave-proof ones? Pyrex. No, I understand I, how I that works, but I, understand I don't how understand you keep how that liquid works, from but... freezing and shattering glass. That's the thing. Maybe it's... You, well, they say not to fill them to the top. you got to oh, leave like an inch. So they're just stronger. So they do expand, yeah. They, they force it up instead of probably. out. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Fascinating. That's the, the things you learn on the Line them up for sponsorship next year. There you go. Mason jars. <laughs> Who doesn't want freezer-proof mason jars? Could come in handy when winter comes. Yeah. Uh, B, next theory from uh, Cotter here. The Lord of the Light didn't want Shireen as a sacrifice. From his point of view, Stannis is the rightful heir, but we know that the others there are others with far more solid claims. So does his own proclamation as king, in fact, make him king? If not, that means Princess Shireen doesn't technically have royal blood in her veins and therefore is not a proper sacrifice. I imagine offer up the wrong sacrifice has some nasty effects, <laughs> a la half your army and all of your horses leaving in the night and your wife hanging herself. Melisarna could have seen these as a sign of her misjudgment, foreseen the inevitable, and got out while the getting was good. So those are some interesting thoughts that maybe he is not the rightful king. You got to have king's blood for your daughter to have king's blood. If you're not a king, then what are you? Jack shit. Yeah, I mean, he's the brother to the king, right? Yeah. So. But he's not from a long line Like I of said, kings. I don't know how this this inheriting of the throne works exactly. I'm not up to date. Yeah. Forgive me, living in a democratic republic, I don't know how a monarchy operates. <laughs> they vote, As well as I sure. should. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, the brother to the king doesn't become king when... Like, if he has no heirs? That's the thing. Uh, we'll get to this here in a bit. Um, but no, I, I, I'm not sure. I kind I kind of like these, uh, these points. Yeah. Also, so in the television show, Balon Greyjoy, 
the 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 father of Theon won the War of the Five Kings. Okay. Joffrey's dead. Rob's dead. Stannis is dead. Who is the other? Who's the other fucker that that got off? I'm missing one king. Um, the Targaryen guy. Oh, Joffrey, right? Oh, okay, yeah, but so, now there's Tommen. I mean, yeah, but he was not the king at the start of the War of the Five Kings. No, no, no. Hmm. So Balon Greyjoy, the Lord of the Iron Iron Island and rightful king of Westeros, Last surviving. Won. There you go. Okay, there you go. Uh, All you got to do is run away long enough for shit to break bad. <laughs> In Westeros, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Steve L said, Do you feel that the show ultimately handled Stannis correctly? His unflinching sacrifice of his daughter pretty much universally set the audience against him and welcomed his death. It just seemed unlike Game of Thrones to make such a black and white issue. The show's done, show has done great work before, turning us around on characters like Jamie, the Hound, and even Cersei's walk of shame made me feel for her. Stannis' brother, killing aside, has shown that he's been fighting the good fight, saving the Night's Watch, and lining up against the hated Boltons. I wish I had a more bittersweet reaction to his death rather than fuck that guy. I'm glad he's dead. It seems like he could have been achieved by making Shireen's death something he was very much against or something that Melisandre did without his knowledge, which we all pretty much hate her anyway. I broadly agree with that, Mm -hmm. that. And in fact, if the book goes down like that, I will go back to being pissed at the double D's. And I can't really put my finger on exactly why I'm okay with it now, other than how swift his downfall was. Okay. You do something that you know you shouldn't do to advance yourself and you're going to get what's your, and and it's 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 like the causal link is very apparent. (laughs) The other thing we haven't talked about is it's perhaps possible that the red God did answer her prayers, but it so turned off his human followers that Mm. they deserted him. So even with the Lord of the light helping, you still like, you know, I think Davos said in season three, you know, shadow babies and red gods don't win wars. Men do. And what are they going to do if you start sacrificing your heirs and your blood uh, relations? Yeah. And like Davos is a smart dude. It's interesting. We make a fine Lord Commander. Who has the most men now? Danny? <sighs> the Tyrells, probably. The Wildlings? The Tyrells. The Tyrells. the Tyrells have men. They, oh yeah, I, they always struck me as the crops and money. They got money, people. crops, and men. They're okay. the most populous region of of Westeros, ah. and also they were very lightly affected by the the War of the Five Kings. They pretty much swept uh, Stannis and and shooed him away from King's Landing. Nice. Okay. After King, you know, their his army had already been decimated by the Blackwater and all that stuff. So I feel like it's mostly the Tyrells, like a two to one against any other individual army, huh. maybe even more. Cool. Alex C said regarding the Iron Bank, they always collect their debts, we've been told, but that doesn't make any sense to me at the time, and it makes less sense to me now. All the money they gave Stannis is flushed down the tubes. They ain't getting back all the money they've lent to the crown. May seems to have already negotiated some kind of settlement, and in any event, their backup plan was their Stannis investment, which is totally lost. Tycho Nestorus does not appear to be a gambler who always wins, and he also doesn't appear to have the muscle to collect. What do you make of that? I'm still trying to get over this guy's name. Tycho Nestorus. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. He was Nintendo's uh, uh, mascot back in the 80s and 90s, I think. <laughs> yeah, I... Wasn't so, he? He was the mascot of Nintendo Power? I'm pretty sure. Tycho Nestorus? Yeah. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I remember that character. Nestor? But I, yeah. Now you've done ruined the joke, Jim. What Sorry. were we going to say? Uh... So are these the first bets that they're losing? 
That's my question. Yeah, because one of the potential plot lines is the whole world just going to shit. Yeah. Like, this is something that no one is this really is the prepared apocalypse, for. This is the apocalypse, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels to me like the idea that these guys have not lost a lot of bets, or they've, they've at least won more bets than they've lost, uh, is a fairly established one. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have a, a city like uh, Bravos without that, but... I just think this might be a case of the tide turning against them. And how much did they wager also? Like, Stannis had 10,000 dudes, a couple of ships. I mean, all I saw was a little box of That's probably a drop in the bucket (laughs) of what Robert spent with Littlefinger in his years on the throne. Because we we know know how many millions of dragons the crown was under debt. So it could just be that that's still, you know, know, maybe they... It'd be interesting to see if they next come to Danny. Mm-hmm. Because Danny, imagine if she somehow gets the Dothraki on her side, or even without, she has ten thousand or so unsullied. Who okay, maybe they're stormtrooper grade, whatever. She's got a hundred ships, and now she's got the full might of the Iron Bank behind her. That'd yeah, that's interesting. interesting. Uh, they seem to be because I don't think the Iron Bank is bankrupt, bets. and I don't think they're giving up either. No, I don't think they're bankrupt. I, I think it looks to me like they're making bets to secure the bets that they've lost, like. Okay, we put a whole bunch of money into King's Landing sure. and the Lannisters and the Baratheons. Uh, that's gone bad. They're not able at this point to pay their money back. Let's get Stannis on the throne, get him governing, and then he'll pay us back. Um, I think they're trying to maybe recoup some of their losses from the Lannister Baratheon fuck up. I think so, too. And they're willing to... Spend a little to make a lot. You yeah, know? because the other thing is they're not going to let... I think they would go bankrupt before they let the Iron Throne be off the hook. That's the thing, because yeah. it's kind of the same way. The reason you, you got to kneecap break. some people, exactly. Yep, exactly. So maybe their muscle hasn't even come out yet. This is just Ooh. this is just yeah. proxy muscle. They're just like mm-hmm. you know, this is blow money they're throwing. I mean, shit, faceless men. I was gonna say, are the faceless men wrapped up with the Iron Bank at all? I don't know if they're wrapped up, but like, are they usable by the Iron Bank? I've heard that faceless men are extremely expensive, like. I would imagine. Either you have to pay something personal, like death of a loved one or yourself, or an astronomical fee. But the Iron Bank could probably afford an astronomical fee. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. Pazu says, I think the main problem with the whole Dorn subplot is it revolved around Jamie's mission and the poorly developed Sand Snakes when it should have revolved around Marcella's Romeo and Juliet romance with... um, he says a wrong name Tristane? here. Tristane. Yes, yeah. thank you. So it just came off as a meandering segment, which provides a few pivotal plot points and little else. We get glimpses of the romance, but the characters are flat. Neither are developed sufficiently for sympathetic response. So her death, which I believe the subplot was building towards, carried no real emotional impact. Even the scene where Jamie is about to confess she already knows uh, is anticlimactic. This could have spent less time with the fight scenes, or they could have spent less time with the fight scenes, which were the weakest of the season, and spent that time on the eternal politics of Dorne and the complexities of the relationship with the star-crossed lovers. On that, I agree. Yeah, honest- There's one exception I have with the email, but we'll get to it. Okay. Uh, honestly, Marcella and Tristane just being in love would have been a much more entertaining and rewarding plot than what we got. And understanding a little bit more about Dorne, too. Like, 
Why sure. why does he do the things he does? Maybe give us a little backstory on why he's the rational, level-headed one of the, the bunch, right? Or even maybe... Like, give us some insight into why he does the things he does. Make him more yes. of a character. Yes, amen. Um, Preach it. But yeah, I, I would have loved to see more of Tristan and, and Marcella. Because they... I don't know. Jamie goes out saying, you know, it's it's a rare thing to see an arranged marriage that's actually a happy so one. well arranged. Yeah. I did think that's it was... That's the problem I have with the email, though, is it's an emotional punch not because i care for marcella i don't give a shit about marcella it's jamie jamie yep that giving him that moment of true fatherhood where he can admit to his children for the first time he's come out as her father exactly and she accepts him even better and he hugs her for the first time as her father it's an honest true and then it's yanked away yeah yeah yeah. yeah. we probably didn't talk about that because i'm so distasteful of the dorn plot line but yes that was a pretty good moment (laughs) It was. It was outstanding. I Even thought. though it was bullshit, everything that came before it. <laughs> uh, San Jose Rob says, does Davos take the black? According to Melisandre, he is a big part of the big war. Does he owe the Iron Bank or does the debt die with Stannis? I have well, no idea. I mean, we, you know, we talked about I'm it. I'm pretty but... sure the Iron Bank is writing off the Stannis column as we speak. Probably. Yeah. Uh, at what point does Jorah lose favor again for not revealing his goddamn grayscale? He better not have a bath scene with Dario. Oh, boy. I mean, that's, I didn't even think of that's that. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. He's endangering everyone in that council by not disclose, at least disclose it and let them make their own choice. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Nicole D. This episode makes me wonder if George is setting us up to cheer when the White Walkers come. When they come south, they will destroy the Night's Watch, who we now hate. Uh-huh. The Boltons are next on the chopping block, who Melisandre. we already hate. Throwing a good reason as to why they're attacking, such as humans broken ancient agreement or some such nonsense, and you have yet another bad guy that's actually more gray than black and white. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty much fed up with Westeros. You put Sansa Pod and Sir Pounce on a boat since Gendry's already rowing and let winter come. What'll happen is the night yeah. the, the the Night's King will be seen flogging little girls with some kind of birch branch. Mm-hmm. So we know that yes, he's really a bad guy. Because <laughs> otherwise he might get confused. Uh yeah, no, I I could totally buy the some kind of fucked up thing where the White Walkers invading would be a good thing. A cleansing. Kind of like uh, I Am Legend in both the Will Smith and the, the classic version that the vampires that you think are the bad guys are really the good guys. And the hero is really the monster of yore. Like, I could see them mm. doing a judo okay. flip. That's a little... Martin seems like he set out to make a trope-free story. Yeah. But... He's not. At what point does them. it become his own trope? Exactly. You know? like, I think. How might, long can you? <laughs> we might be seeing it happen right now. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn A said some interesting possible implications crossed my mind after seeing the finale with the presumptive deaths of Stannis and Marcella Baratheon. Who the hell would be Tommen's heir if and when he dies? We know he will die be- uh, before Cersei from the whole gold will be their crowns and gold their shrouds part of the Maggie the Frog prophecy. This is assuming May- uh, Marjorie is not already with child and they aren't going to be making baby Baratheons anytime soon while she's locked up in jail. Who would the crown fall to if Tommen is to die? Some possible ex- options would be some Baratheon bastard. Joffrey killed all the bastards except for Gendry. Will he in- then come back into play later in the series? If not a Baratheon bastard, or Baratheon bastard, I honestly forgot how to pronounce it. It was a long A or short A. Then it's easily anyone's for the taking, Littlefinger or Danny, etc. This certainly leaves the crown, the Lannisters, and Tommen in an extremely vulnerable place. What do you think there? 
Yeah, like I said, I don't know enough about how it works. Yeah. Um, can Kevin step in? Can It doesn't seem like Kevin could step in. At it's, this point, I feel like if Tommen dies, all of Westeros turns into Florida circa 2000. Only they're armed with swords and maces and spears and things. What was wrong with Florida in 2000? The, the Gore oh, Bush the election. election. Okay. It's essentially yeah. who has the best. It's not about who's got the strongest claim. And I'm not making any judgments on either side because it's essentially a mathematical tie. Mm. But you got a situation where I could see a lot of people having a lot of claims and it's the the strong that's going to win, which is essentially what happens all the time anyway. Sure. That's whole Varys's power, you know, parable about the power. Jason F. Uh, he says the season five finale provides more evidence about a private theory he's created. There's been five formal beheadings in the show thus far. One, Ned Stark beheaded the Night's Watchman who fled his post. Two, Joffrey beheaded Ned. Three, Rob Stark beheaded Rickard Karstark for killing Lannister hostages. Four, Jon Snow beheaded Janna Slint for impugning Jon's authority. And five, Danny beheaded Masador for killing the sons of Harpy uh, captives. Mm-hmm. Thus far, Ned, Joffrey, Rob, and Jon were each betrayed and murdered. Ned betrayed by Joffrey, Joffrey betrayed by his mother-in-law, Rob betrayed by Walter Frey, and John betrayed by the Night's Watch. I think Danny is next. If we choose to view Game of Thrones as a political commentary, the decision to behead someone is perhaps the most stark eh, example of a merciless government. I expect Danny will eventually suffer the same fate as the other characters who have been re- engaged in beheadings. What do you think? Are there any peoples in this world inspired by the French? <laughs> That's my uh, question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, that, that's that's interesting. So everyone who has done beheading has been betrayed and killed. Uh, I suppose there's a sort of poetic justice to that. I just don't know who would do it to Danny. Are you are you saying Jorah might? Well, I'll finish the email. Okay. The Mad King, Danny's father, is famously betrayed by his Kingsguard, Jamie Lannister. I wouldn't be surprised if the equivalent of Danny's Kingsguard, Dario Naharis, eventually betrays and murders Danny. Huh. Or maybe Jorah. I mean, he's a sellsword, and we saw sellswords are not that reliable in this episode. Would Jorah giving her grayscale count as a betrayal? Unintentionally? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe intentionally, certainly. <laughs> All right, final email. Um, and this is something I kind of want to set up. This is kind of going to introduce the whole... Got another Russian video ro- here. <laughs> no, no, no. This is like, uh, what's wrong with Game of Thrones this season? Dominic P says, this season was not great, Bob. And the last episode did nothing to restore my faith. I was honestly shocked you guys felt the opposite when I listened to the instant cast. This season seems to be a bad mix of Martin's books meandering, which the writers could have done more to thwart, and when they did, their choices were poor. Perhaps I talked uh, to fi- wait, perhaps or people I talked to rather felt nothing happened and everyone was stuck in their place. My thing is, if you stick around in a single place, which is fine, what happened to all those great conversations between characters that added depth from past seasons? There is nearly no depth to any of the characters this season. They're all just talking about what they're going to do. How do you have Oberyn tell a single story that tells you more detail about Cersei, Tyrion, and himself than actions on screen could ever have? Where's the political gamesmanship? When I watch the season again, if I ever do, I imagine I'll skip all the talk and go straight to the action. Isn't that a terrible thing to say about the show? These among the following are the main reasons 
the season is lame for me. Not spending enough time in some areas, which I can blame the writers for. Too much time in others that didn't matter, which I can blame the writers. Not allowing characters to display their death. Blame the writers? Blame Martin? The season's let's do 20 minutes at the end for every episode's closer was a failure. Do I blame the directors or the writers? Maybe they should have hired a team of directors that all work together rather than giving each of them a hand to areas they did not know. But where do these poor choices really come from? The writers wrote great stuff before, which begs the question, can I blame Martin because the show writers are just working from bullet points for the stuff that hasn't been written yet? Martin seems to have spent no time working on these last two books, knowing the success of his own creation. Why? Who do you think is to blame, if, if anyone, for this season being kind of a bummer? First, let me tell you who's not to blame. I think George R. R. Martin. Jim Jones. No, well, me, of blameless. course. Yes. Uh, A. Ron Hubbard. Blameless. I'm partially to blame, sure. Okay. I re- I've read the book, so I, I, my <laughs> hands are bloody. George Martin. I don't think George Martin is to blame. Um, I, I think as... You know, the author of the books, yes, he has certainly taken his sweet-ass time writing this next book. But it's not his fault that they wanted to make a series on this thing before he had finished the the whole thing. He did cash a check, though. He did, yeah. Um, I I just think, you know, when when you're in a creative line of work, inspiration doesn't always come easily. And sure. do you want quality or do you want it now? Agreed. And that's that's a question you have to ask yourself. Do you, If you're going to put blame on George Martin, you've got to also say, I'm too impatient for him to finish his vision the way he wants it. I'd rather have it now. I think that, okay, so I'll play the, the internet advocate, literally, because the internet okay. advocates this point all the time. Martin has too much on his plate. He's running a movie theater. He's writing and editing all these books. He's doing all these short stories. He's writing episodes of Games of Thrones. Yeah. He's attending all these conventions. He's attending all these premieres. What the fuck? Now, I think that's fair. I think that Martin, from my my analysis is of Martin finished what he thought was the most difficult books that he ever wrote, Feast for Crows and Dance of Dragons, and mm. thought he was going to have smooth sailing He's like, okay, I've got over the worst part. Everything's in is set up. Now I just need to knock down the pins that I've set up, and I've got another book or I've got another two books. I think he underestimated how difficult it was going to be to bring everybody to get like you know the Miranese not now get Danny back to Westeros, yeah, and resolve the plots that you've got in place. I don't. I, I sometimes I wonder if he's written himself into something of a corner that he's really struggling to get out of. I it think the last be. book will be. be very quick, but I got to the end of Dance and I wasn't like, oh, wow, yeah, the table's set. I know exactly what's going to happen now. Everything was still up in the air. Yeah, I, I don't know. This whole thing feels like a clusterfuck. Like, this is the first time I can think of a show that has been made before the books were done. Yeah, um, it, it's. I think or, it's the first or time a ever. a movie or, like, anything. Sure. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you set off to make something that is inspired by something else, you usually wait until that thing is done. They didn't do the Harry Potter series. But then again, J.K. Rowling okay. sat buckled down and got the books finished. Well, that's so, fair. Yeah. But, so maybe J.K. Rowling is, uh, you know, she's writing for 10-year-olds, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, and, and, I, I think yeah, there's a lot sure. of blame to go around to a lot of different people. And I don't think uh, you can. it's fair to, like, blame and point a finger at one person, whether that be Martin, whether that be Benioff and Weiss, whether that be you know, the writers of the show or even the fans themselves. I, there's a lot of blame to go around and it just feels like it was, it was ill-conceived from the beginning. (laughs) Like 
the stuff that we got that was hinged, hinging on the books that were already written is great, mm-hmm. outstanding. But I, how do you, how do you pull this off? And like, they've got to be asking themselves the very same question: What the fuck are we doing? And the thing is, in the first three episodes, I remember thinking, I'm really liking a lot of these changes. Huh. You okay. know, putting Sansa at Winterfell, which she wasn't in the books, putting Jamie down in Dorne, which he wasn't in the books, um, yeah. giving Brienne something to do other than searching for Sansa, which is what she did endlessly in the books, uh, getting Tyrion to Danny quicker because he's not arrived yet in the books. Huh. Okay. Like, these all seem like really good changes and like more interesting potential streamlining. But then it still got mired and weird shit that I didn't really care about like it did in the book. So it's like, why did they make all those changes? Like, I kind of think that maybe they would have been better just to kind of go with the book plot line at this point. Because what they did different was no better. It's And caused a lot of timing issues that made some of the things that worked in the books less effective in the TV show by the time they got around to it. Yeah, that's that's a weird decision. But I don't know that you know that until you get until you've made the show and started filming it, you know, like mm, how are you supposed to know possible. like stuff that might read on paper might not play on the screen? Yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like everybody's to blame and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it yeah. on any one person. I I hope it gets better. I hope he does come out with another book sure. and, and they can, you know, I, I don't want to salvage is too, too harsh of a word yeah i don't feel like this thing is a train wreck that needs to be salvaged and scrapped and next season they need to come back with an entirely new idea but uh yeah this is the least satisfying of all the four the other seasons for me you know my big fear as a book fan is what if i get winds of winter like next february and i read it and i'm like uh this is not really great hmm yeah, I don't know. Because Feast and Dance is something I endured to get back to something that I wanted to get, like, you know. Sure, sure. So, I, I don't have that fear because I'm not yeah. going to read the book. I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's an interesting question, and I'm hoping to hear some, some feedback from people, uh, you know, going into the spoiler section and, and next week on the wrap-up cast where it's just all going to be, you know, essentially feedback on what you guys want to talk about. I got some topics in mind, but it's essentially going to be like it always is, your guys' feedback. So send that in to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Uh, you can also hone your theories and ideas on our forums that are split in the spoiler and non-spoiler sections at forums.baldmove.com. Follow along on t- Facebook and Twitter. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday for the final season wrap-up. Uh, also, we will be playing through the Telltale Game of Thrones video yeah. game starting, uh, next starting, starting next Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be like 7 p.m. Eastern time. Something uh, like that. We're gonna do the live. We're gonna do the live stream. It's gonna be for uh, for uh, supporters only. Mm-hmm. But you can, you know, you can get a subscription a single dollar. month a, a for dollar. two bucks. Like if you really want to, wait until we've done them all. Sign up for a buck or yeah. two bucks, whatever, for that month. Download them, watch them, cancel and then subscription. Cancel. I don't care. You, you, but you've made off like a bandit. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think that's we a, think it's a good value. It's a, it's it's a good value for something that we're doing extra content for people that are really really into Game of Thrones. Yeah, and uh, I think there it's a good time too. Like I thought some of the stuff we got up to with The Walking Dead, <laughs> it was so much fun. Was hysterical. It was. I don't yeah. know if they'll be quite as fun, but so I imagine somehow we'll make we'll make, we'll find a way. Is is playing the bad guy in a universe full of bad guys is much right. fun. Yeah. Right. Maybe you should just play Brienne type, like you're just relentlessly good. There you go. 
the, the other thing is we got a whole bunch of other VIP content coming down know, the pike. Yep. Coming that we're working on that we're fleshing out sure. at the moment. Uh, now that we're not doing, you know, you're not dominated by Game of Thrones throughout the entire week. Also, True Detective starts up yes next, this weekend. Yep, season uh, two. Season two, we'll have the preview cast of that on on Friday. No idea what that's going to look like, but us us either. It could be cool. But if you if you've missed out because we haven't talked about it on the podcast because we're terrible at cross promotion, mm-hmm. we actually have just completed or we'll complete tomorrow all of season one coverage in depth of True Detective, the new format. The gym's been slaving away on. It's fancy. Uh, people have. Uh, I just get, put a bow on it. <laughs> people have given us a lot of feedback on it, positive feedback on it, uh, no less. Um, so yeah, the, the the train, the freight train keeps rolling. Hope you guys follow along with us. But we'll be back for the spoiler cast this week um, and the wrap up cast next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.